Professional welder Shayna Ford used VR training developed by ForgeFX to hone her skills as a welder. The more time that you spend practicing it, that's what separates a good welder from a great welder. VR training can help students like Shayna repeatedly practice specific skills. Virtual reality definitely helps because the more muscle memory that you have, the smoother your weld is. Explore more stories like Shayna's at meta.com slash metaverseimpact. Dressed like a mummy, Big Mike gonna try and date your mummy. Your girl Paige is a stone cold meanie. Romance in a podcast on, on Halloween. Mikey is single, ladies. Thank you for tuning into Romancing the Pod. You had us at hello. I'm Paige Wesley. I'm Mikey Randolph, and I'm Todd Schlosser. And this week we watched. So, so I, I married, married an, an ex murderer. murderer. So this is clearly not the first time any of us had seen this movie, right? No, absolutely <laughs> no. not. I love this movie growing up. Oh my god. Okay, so Mikey, I don't know if you had the same experience I had with this movie growing up, but this movie was my humor style growing up. Oh no. Oh, I know. That is the correct <laughs> response to that page. I probably haven't seen this movie in like. 15 years and looking back on it i'm like oh my god i remember quoting so many things from this movie in my childhood it's embarrassing oh yes like there are so many lines in here i was like oh i would say that shit to my brothers all the time oh yeah i i still quote this movie pretty frequently but the thing that i realized hello (laughs) yeah exactly on this watch through (laughs) i was like how insufferable would Mike Myers be as a real person? Like oh, his yeah. character as a real person. <laughs> like I had an employee at one point that basically talked like that. And everyone was just like, what's up with that guy? <laughs> like, is he okay? <laughs> so Paige, what you're describing is exactly why I did not have many friends in high school. <laughs> this, this person I'm describing did not have many friends either. Yeah, because I mean, no joke, like probably eighth grade through sophomore year of high school. Oh, my God. I talked like this. I mean, looking back, I'm like, why did anyone hang out with me? But they also did it, too. Like, it was just like a thing. Yeah, I mean, this is pre-Austin Powers, but when you were in high school, Austin Powers would have been out and popular and in the lexicon. Yeah. And I feel like Austin Powers has a lot of the same, like, groovy, baby. Like, it's the same. It's just British. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) This is very before high school for me. Like, oh, shit, I was 11 when this came out. So, like, this is probably mainly middle school we talked like. This. I will say that I really like this toned down version of Michael Myers a lot better, I think, than like an Austin Powers character. Oh, yeah. I would argue. And so as as I'll reveal in fun facts later, I did a very deep dive on the history of this film. <laughs> Good. But one of the main this film was not critically. It didn't do well critically. Nor commercially. We'll talk about that in box office. Yeah. Nor commercially until VHS and DVD where it found like a cult audience. Yeah. I believe it was Roger Ebert 
who said there is a this is a mediocre movie with a good movie trapped inside i mean i can see that yeah yeah and it was one of those things where i'm watching it and i'm like i love this movie i think it is a good movie as is but i am also here for a toned down version of this movie me too where it's not Mike Myers, where it is much more of a straightforward romantic comedy and not as crazy, I feel like I would like that too. So yeah, watching this movie as an adult, I see this movie now as a child's movie that thinks it's a movie for adults. So here's a fun fact. (laughs) Already? I unlocked a fun fact, Mikey. You've unlocked a fun fact. (laughs) We need to make that a thing, by the way. I'm sorry. That needs to be a thing. Sorry, Paige. Go ahead. Yeah, Mike Myers. I don't know if you know very much about his experience on the set of Wayne's World, which came out the year before. Yeah. But he fought with that director literally the entire production. If you want to know more about it, page seven does pop history episodes on Tuesdays instead of Thursdays. And they did one on Wayne's World. They cover it extensively. Um, Highly recommend. Love page seven. Love it. So he had fought with the entire production staff through Wayne's World. It's a real bad experience. It was some miracle that movie got made. Even more of a miracle that there was a sequel. (laughs) That's what I was going to say. I was like, there's a sequel. A year later. I think the sequel's better, personally. That's just... Anyway, so... They certainly crossed all their T's and dotted all their lowercase J's with that second one. (laughs) Absolutely. (laughs) So, in between the first and second Wayne's World, they filmed this movie. Yeah. And I've got a lot more notes about the production later, but one of the things was he fought with the director on this movie... The entire production. Is that just like a Mike Myers thing? Is he like a closet douche? Yes. He's really hard to work with. Okay. Well, and, and here's the thing. You ruin all my favorite people. Well, the director <laughs> of this movie has kind of come to Mike Myers' defense. Oh, okay. In saying that the reason that he fights with people is because he has such a strong creative vision. He wants it to be a certain way, but in being so inflexible, he ruins the production season. <laughs> So at what point did the director come to his defense in that statement? (laughs) Well, here's the thing, because other people have just said he's an asshole. No one should work with him. Oh, I see what you're saying. But the reason why I bring this up is because in many interviews, that director, especially interviews at the time, has said that he, the director, wanted to make a movie for 30 year olds. And Mike Myers wanted to make a movie for 12 year olds. (laughs) Yes. And that's that's where the clash happened. And that's how they couldn't get along. There was also, and I found this really interesting, Mike Myers had a phrase that he would use. It was lay down tracks, one-eyed jacks. And what that means is whenever he saw them putting down tracks for like a moving camera shot, Uh he would go into his trailer and not come out until the tracks were put away. What? Yes. He refused to be in any shots like... Because he didn't believe that a moving shot served the joke and he wanted jokes to be shot head on and so that the joke would be the focal point and not the movement of the camera. What? Wow. Yes. Yeah. Wow. But that, that's what we're dealing with on this movie. We probably should just get into the movie, but I do want to say this. Coming from someone who grew up on improv comedy and SNL, like I can sort of understand why he feels that way. But yes, having 100%. grown out of that and learning quite a bit about cinematography just for my day job, like yep. you can still be very funny in a moving shot. I've seen people with a shoulder mount steady cam be funnier than anything I've ever seen on SNL. Like you don't oh, yeah. you don't need to have cue cards to be funny mike let's do this the camera can also be 
a comedic element. Yeah. This was something I made. I tried to make a project probably almost seven years ago at this point. I was making it with a person who was very, very funny and they were comedically wonderful. Yeah. Did not understand cinematography and would consistently be like, no, we have to shoot something this way. And I'm like, we can't. We like, at, like I'm not a great cinematographer, but I know enough to be like, we can't. We yeah. have to shoot things x way or else it will not cut together well and it yeah. doomed the project yeah so like him having that level of a control issue about it pretty rough it's a miracle this movie got made basically <laughs> <laughs> yeah let me just say this about it because and this is something i'm super passionate about but i feel like in order for a movie to be a great comedy you have to have very funny people writing it very funny people on screen and a very funny person editing it because any of those three components being bad is going to ruin it yeah it's just so hard to make a very very good movie that the fact that any get made is amazing yeah yeah, yeah <laughs> and yeah. i do love this movie i think it's great I do too. but i feel like it is a movie for 12 year olds but it's like it's <laughs> to me it's like what a 12 year old thinks their 30s will be like yes i know that's time. incident when i was like 12 i was like i'm gonna be like this this is this is gonna be fun and like, Mikey, this is, that, you are like this you are no. mike myers in this movie well i i'm Hello. gonna argue Hello. <laughs> Hell yeah, Mikey. You're absolutely right because it was written by somebody else. We have to get into it later, but the things that get lost between the original version and the version we got are things that a 12-year-old wouldn't care about. And the things that get added and the things that stay yeah. are the things that a 12-year-old wants in this movie. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Even their sex scene is like, I spent the night over there. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Okay. Well, I mean, we, well, let's get into this fucking movie. Let's just get through it. We open on the credits, which with an aerial shot of San Francisco with text over it, to a cover of the song "There She Goes" by the Boo Radleys. Yeah. Now, the original version is by the Laws. This song appears three different times yeah. in this film. This first one's a cover. The other two are the original by the Laws, and it's because it was Mike Myers' favorite song at the time, so he insisted that it be added to the movie multiple times. He thinks it's the perfect pop song, and here's the thing. I'm not going to say he's wrong. The only reason I noticed it is because I read about it because I genuinely like the song as well. Me so. too. I think it's a great song, and I think it fits this movie. You know, It probably fits a lot of rom-coms, but it fits this movie. It was in a lot of rom-coms at the time, especially a, a few years after this when Sixpence None the Richer covered it. Oh, then it was in yeah. fucking everything. Yeah, until Semi-Charm Kind of Life came out. It was like the go-to rom-com oh, song. Semi-Charm Kind of <laughs> Life, baby, baby. Look, 90s pop is best pop. We all know it's Hell true. Yeah. That's, that's true. That's true. So we cut to the outside of Rhodes Coffee Shop. On Jack Kerouac Boulevard. <laughs> On Jack Kerouac Boulevard. Yeah. There's, a, there's a lot of things named kind of twee in this movie. We follow the camera in and we follow a giant cappuccino through the room. I loved that shot as a kid. It's a great shot. And I will say, I think that shot like made me want to figure out how to be a cinematographer on some level. Because as a kid, I was like, how did they do that? And like I <laughs> broke it down. Like I, I had yeah. to know. So I feel like that sort of like sparked the curiosity on how to get camera angles and stuff like that, which is insane. <laughs> yeah, well, here's the thing. That's that's one of the few very cool shots in this movie. Yeah, but it is a really cool shot and I still like it. Yeah, I think for like, I think that should have been the credits. I think they do it after the credits, but <laughs> probably should have been the whole credit. Yeah, like Naked Gun, but like with a cappuccino instead of a cop car. <laughs> yeah. yeah, absolutely. 
She hands Mike Myers the cappuccino and he says, excuse me, miss. There seems to be some mistake. I ordered a large. Hello. (laughs) This is our first introduction to his weird vocal tick. (laughs) The joke's funny. It is funny. Say hello. Yes. It's so he just came off Wayne's world. It's like schwing. Yeah, it it's is. The, it's the same. And it's, I would say it's hat on a hat. It's like you made the joke <laughs> once. It's very funny. You don't need to do anything after that. Your job is done. And he literally says it twice back to back. Yes. And this one? Yes. He's, yeah, he hello, goes, hello. And then again. Hello. It's like the audience didn't give him the proper response he was expecting. So he yes. took it again, thinking they yes. would just cut one of them out. And they did not. Well, this movie has a lot of improv, and I think in some, I I think some of it might be things weren't cut. (laughs) I don't know. Um, (laughs) But he turns to his best friend sitting next to him, Tony, and says, what's the deal with your clothes? You look like Huggy Bear. I love Tony so much. Yes, Tony's (laughs) the best. I love Tony's whole subplot. Me too. I love Tony's character. It's the best part of the movie. I've met the actor who played Tony. Are you serious? Yes. Oh my God. Can we interview? I, I love this guy so much. No, no, no. Much. He's not nice. Oh. <laughs> what? Paige, <laughs> hey, stop it. <laughs> you ruined everything. So, well, okay. So here's, here's how. When oh, I first got shit. to LA, I had to find a new doctor, obviously, because I didn't live at home anymore. Is he your doctor? We had the same doctor for like 10 seconds. <laughs> because i hadn't picked like a primary care person so i just had to like get a physical in and then figure stuff out yeah so i'm sitting in the waiting room and he looks familiar and i can't quite place him and he's on the phone with his agent being like well if i'm not gonna fucking do it i want a million and he's just being (laughs) the most insane asshole on the phone and i was just like who is that like and why is he having this conversation that loud in this waiting room (laughs) i'm the only one here like what's happening and so he finishes the call and is just like excuse me and then goes in to the doctor's office and i'm like what and then i realize who it is like i'm like oh my god It's Tony who, and he was on Criminal Minds, I think, for forever, which yeah. I just didn't, didn't watch. So it didn't oh, like register. Yeah, I was like, cause I was about to be like, how is he making yeah. so much? And so he finishes whatever. I go in next and it's a very small doctor's office. There's only one bathroom. And so they're like, hey, we need you to take a urine sample. I'm like, fine. Sure. So I, I go in, I take a urine sample and they're like, you have to write your name on this label and put it on there. I was like, cool. So I do, and there's another sample sitting there, and I set mine down next to it, and it's his, and he's autographed it. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, my God. That's okay. Honestly, I want to get to the level of famous where I'm autographing urine samples. (laughs) You're like, this is my piss. You're welcome. (laughs) This is so crazy. Uh, And I laughed in that bathroom for like 10 minutes. And then I had to compose myself as I walked out and the doctor was like, you know, like the whole cast of Criminal Minds comes here. And I'm like, you don't say. Really? That's a HIPAA violation. Yeah, it is. <laughs> <laughs> but the joke is so much funnier, Paige. And I don't know why you buried the lead on this, but he is still dressed like Huggy Bear at the doctor's <laughs> office. <laughs> oh, that would have been amazing. <laughs> but I, I love I love Tony in this movie. He's one of my favorite He's characters. Great in this movie, yeah. He and the his chief subplot is my favorite bit yes. of yes. this movie by yes. far. It is so 
so funny. Good. And I think they sort of mimic it in the movie The Other Guys. If you've yes. seen that yeah. movie, it's it's not a direct ripoff, but it it's feels like an idea. homage to me. Yeah, I, and I love it. In some ways, this movie is a for twelve year olds, and in other ways, it is ahead of its time. And I think the combination of the two resulted in bad critical reception and not a lot of money. But a great movie. I love it. A great movie. <laughs> but let's move on. I'm sorry. I'm sorry to sidetrack us. Yeah. No, it's so all anyway. Good. Tony. Tony's an undercover cop, right? Right. Tony's an undercover yeah. cop. Yeah. yeah. Well, yeah. Mike Myers even says you look like an undercover cop trying to look cool, and he goes. I am an undercover cop trying to look cool. <laughs> trying to look yeah. cool? And I love uh, that for two reasons, because it, it's a very funny joke, but it's also setting up who Tony is very quickly. Yeah. Yes. So the first thing he establishes, this guy's really important job, and left the whole movie wondering, what does Michael Myers do for a living? Because he's never at work. He never works. You never see him work. Never. He seems to have a shitload of money. He's driving yes. the same car Robert Redford drives in the movie Sneakers. It's the right. only time I've ever seen that kind of convertible ever. Like, how did mm. he get all this money? I love sneakers. Mikey, no joke. I have a whole movie idea. It's like an updated sneakers. And it's awesome. Paige. Stop us from sidetracking, please. (laughs) The only job this movie establishes Mike Myers as having is poet. And I did a lot of research to find out what his actual job was. And nine out of ten articles listed it as poet. And the tenth one was the winner. And I have to wait till the end of the movie to tell you. No! Paige! You are so mean. Okay, fine, 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 fine. It'll just, it'll result in like a half hour discussion if we get into it now. Uh, But suffice it to say, Mike Myers does does have a real job in this movie. Okay. It is not enough to fund his lifestyle. <laughs> <laughs> My guess is television kids presenter. <laughs> no, you mean like like Mrs. Doubtfire and other movies that take place in San Francisco that people can't afford? Yeah. <laughs> Can I just say, as a kid, I was obsessed with the guy who was on stage yes! before yes! Mike Myers. Yes! I thought that his poem entitled something to the effect of an open apology to the aliens that abducted me while I had a panic attack on their mothership. Yeah, who <laughs> I inflicted great... Yes, yeah. Yes, yeah. yeah. And then he takes a beat and says, autobiographical. Yeah. And that, to me, was the funniest joke. I thought that was so, so funny. And I think one of the reasons is he plays it straight. Like, he's not yes. playing it like it's a joke. It's so good. It is so funny. Right. And he looks like Carrot Top did in 93. So I thought that was hilarious, He too. does look like Carrot Top. He's not Carrot Top. He is a comedian. Um, not a very I'm famous sure. one, but now I'm kind of bummed we don't get that poem. Me too. There were actually multiple other poets that were supposed to be in this scene that got cut for time. Oh. So oh. this is where we hear Mike Myers is going to do a poem about Sherry. Why'd you break up with Sherry? She's a klepto. She stole my cat. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. God. <laughs> this is where, and this is literally five minutes into the movie, we're getting the thesis statement of you find reasons to break up with people and that's yes. why you're alone. So this this hit me different as an adult. Oh, did it? Mikey, that's strange. Why, why did it hit really? you differently? What? Wait, Maybe. you're alone? <laughs> <laughs> to quote your goddaughter, you're all alone in the world. Yeah. <laughs> Sometimes, maybe in the past, I've embellished parts of a person to justify <laughs> not being with them. There you go. So, Mikey, I and listen, I've been around for a lot of these kind of conversations, and I've, I don't think you've ever broken up with someone because, A, you thought they were in the mafia, or they <laughs> right. smelled like soup, right? or they stole your cat. So I think you're somewhat in the clear, although you do have a pattern like this. So, fun, fun Mikey fact, I have broken up with someone about a smell before. <laughs> 
Was it beef stew? No, it was just a weird smell. And like when you're like on a date or something, you don't notice. But if you get like like if you're like kissing or whatever, I'm like, what is that? Weird perfume. I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know what it was. And, uh... <laughs> well, I do like the girl that he talks about being in the mafia. And yes. she was in the Cosa Nostra. Yeah, because she wouldn't tell me her job. And then Tony's like, she was unemployed. <laughs> well, that's just the perfect cover page. Yeah. Which is a better reason to break up with someone. I mean, wow. Wow. You better be employed, ladies. Kicking people while they're down, Mikey. But I mean, like, not like you're dating them and then they get laid off. I just meant like, I don't know. I think it'd be hard to date if I was unemployed. I don't know. I feel like I feel like you'd have a lot of free time. You'd be able to, like, accommodate, you know, anyone's schedule. It'd be great. I feel like it depends on is unemployment a lifestyle or just a, a circumstance, a, a point in their life. So, but, right. But then your whole dating is trying to figure out that. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> they're always like, hey, do you want to meet at the park? Yeah. <laughs> or then like the second date she would try to like get the check and then i'd feel guilty and then oh, like yeah. y- there'd be a lot of weird dynamics there yeah so the next scene we get is the mc calls mike myers up now the mc was actually supposed to play one of the other poets oh yeah yes in the rewrite like one or two rewrites before what got filmed and she was supposed to be a poet who performed in a burlap sack her character was only known as the sack <laughs> oh, god <laughs> so can i just say this next little bit i had so yes. many questions about because he gets on the stage and yes. d- he, it's not just he recites a poem like everybody right. else did. He has a jazz band. And a slideshow. Yeah, he's got a PowerPoint presentation. Timed to the jazz. Yes. And this is before PowerPoint. Someone was running that slideshow. I know. So this one poem has a five-man crew. He's got three in the band, one person running the slides, and him. Right. When do yes. they rehearse? Like, what are they doing? <laughs> like, I, they can't I, make money at this. Yeah, I had to imagine that the band was like the house band for the coffee shop. But they follow him around. I know. And that's what's crazy. <laughs> well, here's the other thing, too. They play the same song every time. That's true. Yeah. Even though his poems change slightly. He just changes the words. But this scene, the this is the first introduction we have of the woman, woman, woman poem. Yes. This scene took 14 hours to film. Why? Because Mike Myers had trouble getting the words and the rhythm right with the music and the slides. And he wrote the poem. <laughs> really? <laughs> what? <laughs> he wrote the poem and he couldn't get it right? I wonder if he just doesn't have any like musical timing. Like I could see that being difficult. That would be me. But if I'm not a professional poet, I would just be like, you know what? I'm at a, I'm at a coffee shop. I'll just do be a shitty beat poem and then like, yeah. be done. Yeah. Well, there. I mean, trying to get your words in time with music like that is difficult. Like, I don't know if anyone here has been in Into the Woods, but that shit is hard. I was in the orchestra for Into the Woods. <laughs> okay. Did you did you see the witch try like bash her head against a brick wall trying to be like, but it isn't my fault. I was given those beans. You were persuading me to twin my like and you're just yeah, like, yeah, yeah. I can't. I hate it. Uh, yeah. It's so difficult. <laughs> it takes a lot of rehearsal. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, so it took 14 hours to shoot that one scene. That's insane. I remember laughing so hard at the picture of that woman with the cat. (laughs) With the cat just looking out the window? Yeah. God, it was so funny. 
It is really, really funny. I mean, I'll admit I, la- I laughed when I saw it yesterday. I thought that was hilarious. Yeah. It was really funny. And I knew it was coming. You know what's insane, though? What's insane about this is he definitely brought that woman to this coffee shop while they were dating. People who are there know her. <laughs> knew and her, now yeah. he's showing her in his presentation, <laughs> calling her a thief. That, to me, was insane. Yeah. <laughs> Um, the thing that I think is really interesting about this first poem that we don't really get with anything else, but it kind of sets the stage for some of the other poems, is he he does the refrain about, they make me horny Saturday morning, girls and cartoons will leave me in ruins. Yeah, yeah. I want, I want to be Betty's Barney. It's That sets the stage for the way he views women, I think, a little bit. Oh, yeah? Where he is not viewing women as whole people. That's why one weird thing turns him off. Uh, I mean, I can see that. I also got the vibe that he just had commitment issues because I know people like that who will yeah. just look for anything as a reason to get out because they're sort mm. of afraid to commit to someone in like a lifelong or a long term relationship mm. type scenario. Yeah, I, th- I think <laughs> the rest of the movie, we kind of see him reduce these women to like one thing. Or one trait. Yeah. And that's the only information we get about them in the movie. Like they smell like soup. (laughs) (laughs) Well. I mean, now granted, that's probably the most memorable thing. After a break, if you do sum people up with like a one sentence. Well, it's kind of like Sherry, the girl he broke up with because she stole his cat. (laughs) When he talks to his mom about Sherry later, his mom has a much different view of Sherry and a different idea of what their relationship was like and clearly a more fleshed out version. Oh, yeah. Also, this movie doesn't pass the Bechdel test. No. (laughs) I'll say this. That mom character is also one of my favorite in this whole movie. I love her. I mean, we have to get to her in like a, a scene or yeah, two. Yeah, but, yeah, yeah. So he stops at a butcher shop called Meats of the World. Okay, they had a meat cute at a meat store. I thought that that was funny. <laughs> it's a meat yeah. M-E-A-T I know, it was an M-E-A-T cute. Yeah, I loved it. <laughs> now, this butcher shop is a real butcher shop. Really? What? Yes, it's Prudente Meats in North Beach, which is the Italian neighborhood in San Francisco. Okay, cool. So he comes in, he asks her if they have haggis because his parents are Scottish. Yeah. Now, his parents were a late addition to the script. They weren't in any versions prior to Mike Myers taking over and doing rewrites. Mike Myers wanted to play the dad character, so he was like, ooh, what what if we did parents? Yes, he did, and no one else wanted him to do it, so he was not officially cast as his dad until after the read-through because he and the director fought about it. Wow. And I do know, because I love this director, but this is the last movie he ever directed. This is the last movie he ever directed. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's been doing TV very steadily for years. But very successfully. Yeah, yeah. Like, he's like one of the executive producers of The West Wing. So, like, if you know that show, he directed most of those episodes. Yeah. He he will say that this movie ruining his movie career is the best thing that could have happened to him. Yeah, and it probably is. And he prefers TV. He's also a very good director. But I thought that the Haggis thing, I had to look it up. Do you know what Haggis is? Yeah. Yes, I have actually had Haggis. Oh. What? Is it good? Yeah, it's not that bad. Okay. I've never had it. I don't really like organ meat. And this it's like heart and liver and lungs minced together with onion. And I was like, ugh. It's sewn into an intestine. That does not sound good. My dad, when my parents were in the UK, 
My dad loved it. He was like, this is great. I don't know what anyone's <laughs> making jokes about. Haggis is the shit. But he pays like 20 bucks for it in the 90s. Like, that's an expensive piece of meat. After this, we cut to his parents' house, which is the first time we see his dad. Now, his dad is an SNL character that had been on SNL for the years prior that he shoehorns into this movie. Yeah. Uh, so we get to the parents' house where they're playing the Bay City Rollers. S-A-T-U-R-D-A-Y. I love it. My mother texted me last night to be like, I saw the Bay City Rollers in Tahoe in 1982. <laughs> <laughs> nice. All right. Cool, 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 cool. Cool, 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 cool. The soccer game is about to begin. I thought it was funny that it was the World Series of Soccer, and I was like, isn't that the World Cup? But... <laughs> Yeah, so yes, I don't know. Like, I I don't know if they have a World Series over in the UK, but it's it might that no might idea. be. Yeah, I don't know enough about it. It's not the Premier League though, because they they would call it the Premier League, and they, he would also the dad would also call it football. He would not call it soccer if he's from Scotland. Yeah. Yes. I'm sure they did that because it would like for the American audience, but still. Right. Yeah. Well, and I like that very clearly on the screen, they're like Scotland versus USA. Yeah. But the thing that cracked me up about it is, so I, I have a few British friends that still keep up with football and you have to either buy the fancy cable yeah. that will play it in your time zone or you have to get up at like three in the morning yeah. <laughs> to watch football. It's crazy. It's a commitment I do not have. No, me neither. I like Premier <laughs> League soccer. It's like the best soccer you can watch. No, I don't. I can't commit to something like that. You know, the Premier League stole my cat. And it smells like soup. <laughs> <laughs> I love so much about this scene because the mom is amazing. Mike Myers as his dad is hilarious. And I love how his dad refers to Mike Myers' younger brother as head. But heed. And does not call him anything else the rest of the movie, so much so that his name in the credits is H-E-E-D, heed. Which we know that his name is William. Yeah. Because he says it in this scene once, but... And then they call him heed the rest of the movie. Apparently, there was supposed to be a shot of him at the wedding at the end of the movie with huge dreadlocks <laughs> to, like, make his make his head even bigger. Yeah. And Mike Myers was like, it's too much. Yeah. <laughs> Um, but the first thing he says in this scene is give your mother a kiss or I'll kick your teeth in. Yeah. Which is so great. I love that it establishes their relationship here too, the mom and dad, because she yes. starts singing and he's yes. like, he like yells at her, shut it. And then she just keeps singing. She's like, no. <laughs> Fuck you. Yeah. I loved it so much. Uh, this is where we get a couple of jokes that haven't aged well. Uh, yeah, a lot of the dad doesn't age super well. Except the thing that does age super duper well, though, is his commitment to conspiracy theory. It's yes. both of them. Yeah, like this movie calls that <laughs> our parents were gonna be the ones that believed in anti-vax, Pizzagate, flat earthers. And listen, one <laughs> out of three isn't bad. God praise the dome. But like the other two are insane. Yeah, he so he's telling Tony his theories and, and he, it's Lyndon LaRouche's theories specifically if you want to get like real official about it. About the Pentaveret. The Pentaveret, <laughs> uh, the Queen, the Vatican, the Gettys, the Rothschilds and the Colonel before he went tats up. This is one of those things that I quoted a lot 
as a kid. Yes. And when Mike Myers walks back in with the kid, he goes, Dad, how can you hate the Colonel? And he goes, People are going to take the chemical in the chicken that makes you crave for it nightly smarters. I remember thinking that was the funniest thing. Oh my God. The thing that I used to quote a lot is in the very next cut where he walks into the kitchen with his mom and she says, would you like a juice? I juice everything now. I got myself a juice tiger. I'm on the weekly world news Garth Brooks juice diet. <laughs> God paid you do her voice I so know, well. I know, it's so Thank good, guys. You. Joining us, the lady who played the homeless woman <laughs> in Home Alone 2. <laughs> I forget her, the actress's name, but she's amazing. And she was she's a homeless so lady good. in Home Alone 2. Yeah, so this is the one place where we get Heed's name. Because we cut back into the, the living room with his dad and he just, William, move your head. Now, Heed, head, yeah. was an actual 16-year-old who filmed all of his scenes over one weekend that happened to be his birthday weekend. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my and God. So he spent like his entire birthday weekend just being berated for the size of his head. That's and amazing. As an adult, he's like, Hey, I got to be in a hilarious movie. Yeah. No regrets. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah. This is where we get the, it's a virtual planetoid. Uh, <laughs> it's like Sputnik. It's spherical, but quite pointy in parts. Pointy in parts. Uh, we cut back into the kitchen where his mom is, Sherry's late. And he's like, oh, Sherry and I broke up. She's I like Sherry. And he's like, well, don't make it harder on me. Yeah. And she's like, why should I make it easier? You're good together, you and Shadow. You knew that. Uh, and <laughs> Paige has a really good Scottish accent, Mikey. Yeah, Paige is really good. Thank you, thank you. Uh, this is where uh, we. He's like, I'm terrified of marriage. Yeah, yeah. And this is where she introduces the like honeymoon killer plot. Yeah, she introduces the movie to us. Really, the paper. Yes. Yeah. 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 yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm kind of glad. As a 12-year-old, I like it when it's laid down on black and white. Oh, it's very yeah. clear, yeah. Maybe there's something to be said for that. Did you read the paper? Heed paper! No! I love when Heed walks in there with the paper, and then it cuts to the dad talking to Tony, and he's talking yes. about how like it was really mean. I just love where he's like, he's going to cry himself to sleep tonight on his huge pillow. <laughs> Holding that gargantuan cranium about you. <laughs> so, <laughs> so funny. We, we cut back into the kitchen where we reveal that the paper... Is the weekly yeah. world news? But Paige, yes. it has the eighth highest circulation in the world. It has the eighth highest circulation in the world. <laughs> this paper contains facts. Pregnant man gives birth. That's, That's a fact. A fact. <laughs> <laughs> the world really hasn't changed much, has it? No, it has not. I mean, I was going to say modern day, yeah, because I wouldn't be as surprised to see that headline. But I remember in the 90s when that was a huge headline and like that person ended up on like multiple TV shows to talk about it and all kinds of stuff. It was like a huge thing. Oh, my um, God. So this is where we get Mrs. X, the honeymoon murderer. And she marries people under fake identities, including a lounge singer, a Russian martial arts expert and a plumber named Ralph Elliott. So she kind of lays out her suspicions and Mike Myers brushes it off. Yeah, really just that the, the honeymoon murderer exists and it's, you know, like a thing that yeah. we're going to have to deal with in the movie. It is Chekhov's honeymoon murderer, Paige. It is Chekhov's honeymoon murderer. <laughs> what, what we're missing in this scene is her flipping the page and being like, bat boy found. <laughs> <laughs> Parents murdered in alley after opera, bat boy found. <laughs> uh, so 
they leave. The next scene is them leaving. Fine, go. You've stayed your hour. <laughs> this is the shot. I feel like the mom makes her paycheck in this movie. Because yes. when she kisses Tony, that's already funny. Because she's like really into it, right? Yes, and then, yes. You're a sexy wee bastard. And like. You turned into a right sexy wee bastard, <laughs> didn't you? <laughs> Yeah. And then and then Mike Myers is like, yeah, I've always thought so or whatever. And then if you just watch her, watch the scene and just watch her. She is like a piece of meat. Yeah, she's giving him the yes. biggest fuck me eyes ever. It is so <laughs> funny. My favorite is the door closes. She goes yeah. back in the house and then she like shakes it off for a second. She goes, oh, yes. Uh, we cut to... Uh, Mike Myers is driving and he drives past meats of the world again. Very dangerously. Yes, that's what happens when you have a crush on a girl. You just stalk them. <laughs> well, also, I think that's probably a one-way street. Well, yeah, and he's not taking his eyes off her. Yeah, and yeah. Drive. That is very dangerous. This is the second time we hear There She Goes, I yes, believe. Yes, it is. This it is, is. You're right. This is the second time we hear it. Um, And uh, just having driven in San Francisco, never take your eyes off the road. <laughs> no. That place has the worst drivers on earth. We cut to... Tony meeting with his police captain. I love him so much. And this scene is so great. We established like so much about their relationship. Yeah. Where he's having doubts about being a cop because it's not like it is on TV. I fill out paperwork, which I feel like this thesis statement is the reason why Hot Fuzz got made, which is one of my favorite <laughs> movies of all it's time. It's so good. Yeah. It's my favorite of the Cornetto trilogy. I would agree personally. Yeah. I mean, I love Sean, but oh, Hot Fuzz is so good. I like Hot Fuzz a lot. So I feel like we should do a bromance month and do Hot Fuzz and I Love You Man. Fuck, Paige. That's a great idea. Right? Bromance movies? Hell yeah. Bromance mm. month would be amazing. Yeah. So he's having doubts about being a cop. He's never chased a guy or hung on to that part of the helicopter. <laughs> I know that part. I know that part. I know that part. <laughs> I, I love the captain, too, because he's like, well, you know, paperwork's a really important part of the job. It may be yeah. the most important part of what we do. <laughs> I, love, I love that he's like, you never come in here yelling at me about having to explain my antics to the commissioner. He's like, well, the truth is I don't report to a commissioner. I report to a panel of a... <laughs> some are elected, <laughs> some are appointed. <laughs> he like, it's more of a quorum. Like, he explains, like, the, the way he reports to him. It's so funny. A yearly basis. Yeah. <laughs> and then uh. as as Tony kind of finishes, he's like, somebody needs a hug. <laughs> we cut back to Meets of the World. Yes. And I imagine this is the same day. I think he drove past her on the way there and she was opening and yes. then drives back past it. It's crazy busy inside. I think he was waiting for her to be busy. I think so, too. Yeah. He comes in. She remembers that he bought the haggis because, you know. It's a haggis. No one buys haggis. Yeah. yeah. She asks, do you actually like haggis? And he says, no, I think most Scottish cuisine is based on a dare. <laughs> which is one of my favorite lines in this whole movie. Yeah. Uh, he offers to help her out in the butcher shop. And the guy behind him in line is like, I'm next. He asks for a New York strip, a quarter of an inch thick. And then she proceeds to cut him an inch and a half thick steak. Yeah. <laughs> like, I don't know what she was doing. Um, she but was a quarter of an inch is way too thin for a steak anyway. If you watch that again. Again, look at that guy because he looks like a Muppet. Like if, yes. if in that well, shot, that. yes, if yes, in yes, that yes. shot, Mike Myers walks off to go help. Like a Muppet, like bopped up next to him, I'd be like, that makes sense because yes. he looks like he's on Sesame Street in that shot. I think it's so yes. funny. Uh, he tells her his dad used to be a butcher. He's gonna help her out, 
And by helping her out, he's like goofing off around the butcher shop where he's like sexualizing the slicing of the bacon. Oh, yeah. Well, she's sort of playing along, too, as she's like making the sausage or whatever. Yeah. I bet her boss was horrified. She doesn't have a boss. She owns the butcher shop. Oh, does she own the butcher shop? I got the impression that it was like a family butcher shop because she moved around a lot when she got married. But knowing what we know, I feel like she comes back and like helps run it when she is in the widow phase of her cycle. (laughs) Yeah, uh, he does yeah. an yeah. alien chest burster with one. It's pretty oh, fun. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, my favorite is when he's making mooing sounds in the back and then fighting a cow. <laughs> and then just the massage. The, Do you live in New York? Mm-hmm. You guide you me. A lot of tension. You guide yeah. me. I remember <laughs> saying that to people all the time when I was a kid. Um, my favorite. So my favorite is the school nurse one where he's got the like. Where they're just pranking the customers. Yes. Uh, but what I found <sighs> out in my deep dive of research the other night was that there was actually an accident during the scene where Nancy, the woman who plays Harriet, Harriet. Yeah. sliced the tip of her finger off oh. and was rushed to the hospital where they were able to reconnect it. What? There's actually a scene where she's wearing a bandit on one of her fingers. Yes. Is that why? That is oh why. Oh, my God. Mm-hmm. That's insane. Mm-hmm. Just so you know, wow. it's the scene where she's like talking about how how vulnerable they are when they're sleeping. And she talks about yes. putting something in his ear. Like that's yes. the scene where if you look, she's got a bandaid. That's insane, Paige. Mm-hmm. So they go on a date afterward where she says that he's nice. Yeah. And then she says he, he's like, nice. OK, nice. You think of me as a woman friend. Yes, which is kind of misogynist to say. It's a little problematic, yeah. But I think what I think what he means is you see me as a friend and not a sexual object, but Right. Well, I mean, not someone you'd want to have sex with. Like that that was him saying, yeah. Don't put me in the friend zone. I think he was be like, So you like me or not? But like also doing it in kind of a douchey way. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's exactly. Fair. And she says, Name one bad thing you've done, and he's like, What's one bad thing you've done? And I mean <laughs> evil evil like the fruits of the devil and asks her how many people have you brutally murdered and this is where she says brutal is subjective (laughs) (laughs) that's a funny joke i I I like it i think what she says is super appropriate for their banter back and forth but he takes it like oh maybe she is a murderer but if i was on it like if that was natalie and my first date and we were joking around like that i'd be like this chick is funny she's continuing the bit here's another thing thing that i thought about this time where because we know that she didn't murder anybody right like we know but by marrying people she has kind of signed their death certificate because she knows that that's what sets rose off yeah so i wondered if that was kind of her perspective of like i mean i didn't brutally murder them but they got brutally murdered (laughs) oh wait do you think that she knows rose is killing them she didn't know I don't think so either. I don't know. And I feel like the movie doesn't necessarily come down one way or the other. Every no. other time I'd watched the movie prior to this, I thought she knew. Yeah. And was kind of holding it against her. It says yeah. she scared people are going to leave her because her three ex-husbands have all left her. Which is yeah. insanity that you don't find out that they're dead. But you mean that she didn't? Yeah. Well, but she's got all their <laughs> stuff. That like that's the part that I was like, she's got their stuff. She she seems suspicious that bad things have happened and leaving sounds like a cover for them being murdered. So literally every other time I'd seen the movie prior to last night, I thought she knew and was just hoping that one of the times Rose was not gonna do it. 
That's a dark movie. That is a movie. very dark it, movie. It's a very <laughs> dark movie. Well, it here's this sounds terrible. Uh, when I reveal some stuff at the end and fun facts, that's probably the accurate read of the movie. Oh, damn. Okay, cool, cool, cool. Yeah. It made me frustrated with her because I was like, why didn't she warn him? Why didn't she tell the police? Why didn't she all yeah. of this? And then it wasn't until watching it through this time that I was like, oh, I don't know that she knows yeah. that Rose has been doing this. Yeah, I get the impression that Rose would write those notes saying that they were leaving yeah. her and she just assumed they left her. Right. And the breakup scene, I feel like it sort of informs that because she's like, right. at least you got out early, right? You didn't make me marry you only just to leave me, which. Oh, yeah, right. yeah. That's what I thought. Yeah. I think from her impression, it is that they're breaking up with her and leaving to live their own life. Not that Rose has killed them right. because that's what Rose is wanting her to believe. But anyway, I think right. to get back into the scene where we were in, I think that this is the most insane part of the movie. And that is that two uniformed Russian Navy soldiers are walking yes! around San Francisco and no one is wondering what's going on. Are they being slowly invaded? Is it like a Red Dawn situation where Red Dawn <laughs> happened and we lost? They're near the pier. Do you let naval officers do, from other countries just walk around? Yeah. It would not be uncommon for that. Really? I mean, there there's a lot of military presence in San Francisco. It, it's weird that they're Russian. Well, that's what I'm saying. Yeah, I wouldn't be shocked that a Navy officer was walking around, but the fact that they're Russian Navy officers concerns me. Yeah, 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 yeah. I mean, and... This is like the height of the Cold War. <laughs> well, no, 93, the Cold War is over, but... Oh, yeah, that's right. Eagle Eye Cherry taught me that. Yes, yes, it did. <laughs> so... That is a <laughs> such a niece joke. I'm so sorry. Mikey's, <laughs> yeah. Mikey's very confused, like, but Paige, I love I, you right I now. I know that's a band uh, so. i like me some eagle eye cherry so they walk to from where they're at the palace of fine arts but the sailors talk about her she responds in russian yeah uh, and, he, yeah. and he's like do you speak russian and then he says not only are you good looking and smart but now i have to destroy you yeah <laughs> and then she runs away and then he right. does what i would do anytime someone called me over somewhere and he would go <laughs> Nadia, I am coming. And he like <laughs> like ballet dances over to her. I did that yeah, a really lot in middle school. Oh, Todd, that makes me <laughs> uh, so sad for you. Yeah. Well, it, it leads into what I, for me personally, is one of the funniest lines in the movie where she says, what do you look for in a woman you date? And he says, everyone's a sense of humor, but I'm going to have to go with breast size. <laughs> <laughs> it is pretty funny. Uh, they go back to her apartment, which is crazy because all 90s apartments and movies look like anthropology stores or an urban outfitters also it's so huge stuff on the wall it's yeah massive i have notes on that money wise yeah um, i mean that butcher shop must make a shitload of money she does not have enough volume in that butcher shop or enough meats <laughs> to sell to make the money she would need to live in that apartment there's yeah. just no way but we see that there's a giant poster of atlantic city i have used that joke you know what this apartment needs a huge and then insert whatever is big in that room <laughs> i have used that joke formula legit a thousand times it's flawless it, <laughs> it, <Hello>. has never, <laughs> it has never failed to get a laugh yeah so thank you mike myers <laughs> There's also a martial art weapons display Which, which I think she explains very poorly She does, she's like, oh I had a friend, a friend. It was a friend. Who was an expert I thought it would look good on the wall Like, but that's your why first do you flag. have it? Yes, yeah Like what person would think it would look good on a wall? 
Your red flag is interior design choices. Not that she clearly yeah. is talking about her ex-boyfriend. She's if I went with. to a girl's house and she's like, I put ninja stars all over this wall, I'd be like, oh. I'd be like, hmm. marry that bitch. Yeah. I'm going to marry this bitch. Wait. It depends on how she put them in there. If they're stuck in the wall like she threw them, <laughs> yeah, marry yeah, her. Yeah, yeah, if they're yeah. hanging, she's insane. <laughs> well, they, no, because then, you're, then your your question is like, oh, so you do martial arts? And she's like, no, I just thought they looked cool. And I was like, all right. I, I'm in favor of this. I think martial arts weapons look really cool on walls. This is why I dated at least one other dude that had katanas. I'm, I'm not going to hear weird shit about it uh we definitely have a samurai sword in our house right now <laughs> all i heard was at least one other dude and then i knew jake was a sword collector <laughs> i knew it i love it we keep the katana with the machete because those are our melee weapons yeah one is an outside sword and one is an inside sword do you guys know nothing about samurai culture oh my god both of them are zombie swords <laughs> i got you i do love the scottish martial art joke in this scene the fuck you fuck you i thought that that was hilarious and that it's mainly headbutting and kicking people when they're on the ground <laughs> i love that so much this is also he looks at his watch and this 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 scene made me think oh she doesn't know rose is doing it she's afraid they're gonna leave yes because this is where she's like it's getting late and he's like not for me for who then because she's basically like are, are you looking to leave <laughs> yeah she's giving him an out and then she's like well i'll go make tea because he's like it's not late for me i like the nightlife i like to boogie and i like the nightlife i like, <laughs> I like to boogie. boogie yeah and then she goes and makes tea and then he's like you know what uh, it is getting late and like I know if we start kissing here we'll kiss on the couch and if we kiss on the couch we'll kiss in the bedroom and that's the part I always rush into and I just don't think I should rush into spending the night with you and then she goes I want to spend the night together I have no problem with that <laughs> <laughs> yeah so good here's what I noticed this time around and I'd be really curious to find out if Edgar Wright is a fan of this movie I bet he is because there's a very similar scene to this in Scott Pilgrim versus the world, like almost identical. It's got a couple extra jokes in it. It's a shorter, compacted version. Yeah. Um, but it it's almost beat for beat the same scene, which I think is kind of interesting. Mikey, how many times have you had this sort of conversation with somebody? <laughs> uh... Is it more than once, less than 25 times? <laughs> <laughs> that sounds about right. Yeah. So, like, so, like, so same. Because, and I think that that's sort of how you should play it as a guy, because you don't want to... Assume. Yeah, you don't want to assume. I feel like it's a, a good backwards way to find out if there's consent there, right? Yeah. Because you're giving them a very clear, what? strong out. I agree. Yeah. yeah, you're saying, hey, I don't want to rush into anything, especially if you don't want to rush into anything. So no pressure. I'd love to see you again. He makes that very clear. I'm a very yeah. low pressure guy. So it's yeah. like, you know, like Same. I don't want to rush things up. And I feel like I do kind of rush things on that level. And yeah. then uh, it, that kind of screws it up. And then and then if they're like, well, I do want you to sleep. And then I crumple immediately. Yeah, oh, yeah. I fold like a cheap card table every time. Yeah. Like, I can literally go through a 20 minute conversation. Like, I really don't want to rush things. You know, like, maybe it's, you know, part of my commitment issues. But if I if I rush the physical, it could be better, you know. And then, like, the next thing would be like, well, what if we sleep together today? I'll be like, I mean, I think we could pull it off. <laughs> exactly. That's my point. It's a very, it's very funny, but it's also, like, very true to, like, what yeah. I think a guy would do in that situation. <laughs> I'm just weak. I mean those words. I just am weak. No, same. Mikey, same. Best of intentions. <laughs> None of the willpower when it comes to Natalie. Like, I completely agree. To be honest, Todd, you shouldn't have to resist 
Natalie. Yeah, no, you're, no. that's your girlfriend. <laughs> <laughs> It'd be weirder if you were. No, I mean like early on, like before we were like living together and like very committed, you know, like I, there was just no way I could ever tell Natalie. No. Well, my favorite thing is what she does next, which is what I would call enthusiastic consent, which is where <laughs> she, she says, you're it chase me basically yeah. like i'm in it we're doing this yes which is the kind of consent you want is enthusiastic consent yeah absolutely and i really do think the bit where he is running up the stairs pants already down is yes. hilarious it is very very funny i would have fallen back down the steps but it is <laughs> yeah. hilarious yeah then we cut to <laughs> later that night this is the first time she's screaming about ralph in her sleep oh my god <laughs> mikey okay <laughs> mikey if that happened to you how would you react not well <laughs> <laughs> I would probably be like, well, it's time for me to get out of here. <laughs> so in my mind, when I set you up for that joke, in my mind, what I thought you were going to say is I wouldn't have been there to witness that because oh. you'd already be home. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, well, yeah, you're right. I-, I stay for a few hours. I stay for like the initial, like, you know, a few hours of like sleep cuddle. And then I'm like, well, time to hit the old dusty yeah. trail. <laughs> Macy's got to. Go out. Macy's got an early meeting. Yeah, Macy's got to go out. <laughs> no, I would just be like, I stand on the shoulders of Ralph's work. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I thought it was awesome that she says, she's my friend. Yeah, she's my friend. And then Mike friend. Myers is like, oh, she. She's your friend? She. She's your friend. <laughs> and, and is trying to go back to sleep saying that in his head. Although I'm not at all surprised that she was screaming Ralph in her sleep in a very sexual way because we already know because we saw in the scene with the mom that Ralph could lay pipe. yes now we cut to the next morning and mike myers character charlie comes down uh stairs pantsless yeah which like tidy whitey is not a good look i wrote that in my notes too i was like he is a man he should not be in tidy whiteys yeah do people wear tidy whiteys a lot i don't think so i remember growing up in them and then when I was like 14, I was like, I need, this is, no, I need some boxes. My boys need a house. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's a generational thing. I think so too. And I think boxer briefs weren't necessarily around because I think people who would have worn tidy whities now wear boxer briefs. Yeah. And whoever decided white was the appropriate color for underwear was not thinking through. Black, dude. Well, I guess unless you want to wear white pants. I guess that's true. But that's something that I don't typically deal with as a man. No one should. White <laughs> pants are just a bad idea. Yeah. You ever shit your pants, Mikey? <laughs> I mean, yeah. I've shit my pants before. But, oh, God. <laughs> okay. I was not expecting you to say yes to that immediately. So that was I think awesome. everyone has the secret. I shit my pants a little bit story. Mikey, I will say this. There are only two types of people in the world. Those who have shit their pants and those who will. (laughs) 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 Like it's gonna happen, guys. Oh my God. So he's downstairs walking around in his tidy whities and he sees a figure in the shower upstairs. Yeah. He walks into the bathroom to surprise Harriet in the shower, but it's not Harriet. It's someone else. Someone who he thinks is Ralph, which I thought was funny. That that was very funny. He comes downstairs and she's on the couch and he's like hi i'm charlie you must be ralph and she's like no i'm her sister rose but she gave me a note for you and then she just reads the oh, note out loud to him. Right. Yeah. <laughs> it's like so bizarre thanks for the uh hot dog 
Uh, yeah. <laughs> my favorite is she. she's trying to get him to stay because she wants to talk to him, I think. Yeah. She says, what would you say to pancakes, fresh squeezed orange juice, and Kona coffee? And he's like, great. And then the next thing is him eating Fruit Loops. And she's like, I didn't have that other stuff. <laughs> he doesn't ever eat it, though. He just looks at it. He just looks at it. Yeah. But this is where he kind of talks to Rose and finds out a little bit about her. And she says, she didn't speak of me. He says, well, she talked about a martial arts guy and Ralph. She says, oh, she, she talked about them. And he said, well, she kind of screamed about Ralph. She says, well, you know Harriet. And he's like, <laughs> no, no, I don't. No, I, I don't. <laughs> and, and he's like, but you had sex with her. Hello. <laughs> he then oh. is like, I'm going to go now. And she says, I won't tell her anything happened. And he's like, nothing did happen. And she says, don't worry. Just be careful. Yeah. Which is terrifying. It is. And her voice. Okay. So the actress who plays Rose is, I think, amazing. She's yeah. so good at being creepy. She's creepy at a lot of stuff. She's yeah. so good. In in this scene, like even her voice alone is creepy. Her name is Amanda Plummer and she does berserker mode better than like anybody yeah. else because she is the one in Pulp Fiction robbing the diner. Yeah. She's so good. But she has that great like, yes. I mean, what are you motherfuckers? And yeah. Just like ah. so good. So we cut to the next scene where he and Tony are on a boat out to Alcatraz. When they take the police boat just to go on a tour of Alcatraz. Yeah. That which is also insane. One of my yes. favorite songs of the era comes on, and that's Two Princes by Spin Doctor. Yes, yes. Well, and I remembered when we talked about this movie a couple weeks ago, and and you said Two Princes, and I was like, no, it's the Bay City Rollers. No, and I, I said heard Spin this, Doctors. Was... You said Bay City Rollers, but we were both right because <laughs> yes. yeah, we were talking about two different iconic songs from this movie, <laughs> and I yeah. was like, oh my god. It, it is in this movie. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It is yeah. here. Like, I honestly, in my mind, had forgotten There She Goes was in this movie, but I, I remembered yeah. where Spin Doctors was. <laughs> my favorite, so neither of you have been to Alcatraz, right? No. I have not. I wanted to go when I was in San Francisco last, but I couldn't. There's a ferry. Yes. To Alcatraz. And part of the reason there's a ferry is because it's real choppy. So, like... That police boat, they would have just been like vomiting off the sides of it. Like, <laughs> and they're standing in the front of it, arguably where you'd be dealing with that the most. Yeah, there's also like not really a place to dock unless you're like on the ferry, <laughs> like <laughs> purposefully, like so people couldn't escape the island. It's like a whole thing. Yeah, um, <laughs> it's like the world's biggest moat. Well, and what I think is funny is they walk up the hill with a whole group of people yeah. as if they took the ferry. <laughs> Well, yeah, you got to integrate yourself into a tour for free. <laughs> well, so it, it's literally you sign up for the tours and stuff before you even get on the ferry. Yeah. Because because like that's it. Like you get off the ferry and you're on the tour. That's the problem I had with it because I didn't realize you had to schedule that shit like a month and a half in advance. And I got there and was like, hey, let's go to let's go to Alcatraz. And we looked it up and we were like, oh, we should have done this conversation six weeks ago. Yeah, I mean, depending on when you're there, yeah. like some parts of the year, it's more busy than others. They don't have live guard tours now. Now it's like museum, like phony yeah. things. Um, but back in the day, the old guards did used to give the tours. Well, they had to stop that because of guards like Vicky. Shit got too <laughs> real. <laughs> Shit got way too real, which we meet Vicky in the scene. I where love. My name is John Johnson, but everyone here calls me Vicky. This scene just made me so sad. I know. I, just Phil Hartman, man. Ugh. He is such a good straight man. His two scenes, or really just the Alcatraz sort of vignette, if you will, is so good 
because of him. Yes. So this scene is great because of Phil Hartman. Yeah. They go through the Alcatraz tour and he's kind of giving the tour as they're talking amongst themselves where he tells Tony about Ralph. Who's Ralph? I don't know. And I don't want to know. Yeah. He's more or less saying, hey, I met a girl. Things are going great and I'm not going to mess it up like I always mess it up. You got to make sure I don't mess it up like I always mess it up. Right. (laughs) Right. Now now that's a conversation I've had before. Mikey, (laughs) I've been there for that conversation. And I do love that Tony's like, so did you guys sleep together? And he goes, hey, dirtbag. <laughs> All you need to know is Harriet's a lovely, wonderful, caring person. And, and yes, yes, we did. <laughs> <laughs> but that's when Vicky is like, circle up, circle up. This is my favorite part of the entire movie. I have it verbatim if you want. Yeah, do this, it. Absolutely do it. This is something the other tour guides won't tell you. <laughs> In this particular cell block, Machine Gun Kelly had what we in the prison system call a bitch. (laughs) And one night in a jealous rage, he took a makeshift knife or shiv and cut out the bitch's eyes. And this is where they cut in. They're like, hey, you know the other thing about here? Dude, and then Tony going, oh, no, no, no. I love that. He like, because Tony knows that Vicky, oh my God. Vicky don't play. Vicky don't play. Vicky don't play. And then if you look at Phil Hartman just staring (laughs) down Mike Myers, like I can't believe you interrupted my Machine Gun Kelly story. It's so good. God, I miss Phil Hartman. And if this wasn't enough retribution for Kelly, the next day he and four other inmates took turns pissing into the bitch's ocular cavities. This way to the cafeteria. (laughs) Uh, But yes, this is where he asks, please, I'm really happy. Please don't let me screw this one up. So we get a montage of more dates with Harriet and with him helping her out of the butcher shop a couple other times. And then we see Rose kind of involved and it's kind of odd, but Charlie seems to be kind of like having fun with her and like making inroads. Yeah, including her in on the joke. I mean, sort of like you would with your girlfriend's sister, you know? Right, right. right. We cut to the Fog City Diner where he (laughs) and Tony are on a double date. Yeah. And they essentially are playing (laughs) Would You Rather. And the first one is What's Worse? Uh, you're stuck at home with ESPN and it's just synchronized swimming or you're stuck on the bridge in traffic and you've had two cups of coffee and two brand muffins. Hello. hello again with the hello. Yeah. And then the next one is Harriet. She says, you go to your favorite restaurant under the steak is a scabby bandaid. Yeah. And then the other girl, the like double date is like, or being electrocuted. She's like, I was electrocuted once. It was horrible. Oh my God. <laughs> like, <laughs> <laughs> so funny. Uh, they haggle over the check. Harriet picks it up. Did you think that neither of them wanted to pay it? I thought it was insane that they were going back and forth, back and forth, back and forth. And then she was just like, well, I'll pay it. And they were like, oh, okay, cool. Yeah, I thought neither like, of them wanted to pay it. And they were like, perfect. Our plan worked. <laughs> <laughs> well, Harriet is low key rich as shit. If you've seen her place, you know. It's raining. Harriet decides to walk in the rain. And it's like crazy. It's uh, a low-key San Francisco normal day. It's crazy rain. <laughs> <laughs> I, I remember like this scene as a kid, and I, for a long period of time, liked walking in the rain. Aww. It is insane how much this movie like impacted me as a child. I also enjoy walking in the rain. I don't mind it. I think yeah. it's fun. Ex- except in San Francisco where it gets like 
ass cold. Yeah. Well, some of this time when I was a kid, I remember doing this a lot. I was in Orlando and the rain was like warm and it just it felt great. Yeah. yeah. But in this scene, he says, I'm really glad you're going to meet my parents. And she says, I feel really safe with you, like in old movies where people stayed together forever. 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 <laughs> <laughs> like the Sandlot. And then you see yeah. like Mike Myers face change to like, oh, I've made a terrible mistake. <laughs> <laughs> They roll up to Charlie's parents' house. This is where we hear, I think in voiceover, where he says that his parents moved in the day they were married. Yeah. And in two weeks, they're having a 30th anniversary party, which gives us a bit of an age range for him that I thought was a little on the young side, because it means that he's probably younger than 30. Uh, I would imagine he is if they got married and they moved in on the same day and they've been there 30 years, just because yeah. most people right. didn't have kids before then. Right. I always watching this movie thought he was early 30s. I mean, he looks early 30s. Yeah. I mean, so. it's probably because he was in real life. <laughs> yeah. So his mom is nice. She's the best. Yeah. Harriet accidentally does a martial arts move on his dad. I love that. And the dad's like <laughs> super into it on some level. <laughs> like... <laughs> yes. Charlie tells me you're a butcher. Um, <laughs> and he asks her if he if she links her own sausage, which is a thing yeah that's a that's a butcher thing if you don't link your own sausages you ain't shit this is where uh charlie's dad he's making fun of charlie for going to the bathroom or being like a wet blanket about something and his mom says you have a pickle up your ass again yeah well it's because they're like gonna show harriet family photos that's what it is Mm -hmm. i do love that he walks over and says hey are you gonna be okay i need to go to the bathroom or the washroom or whatever and she Mm -hmm. goes yeah yeah i'll be fine he goes yeah apparently i have a pickle in my ass and i also think when he goes to the bathroom there's a very funny joke where he closes the door yes! there's a dartboard and the queen is on the center of the dartboard with darts i in had her. never noticed that oh. until this time and i have it in my notes this time too yeah oh man so great and his dad's pestering him in the bathroom yes uh, but this is where they put the paper in the bathroom and he's reading about the honeymoon killer again he's kind of putting some pieces together yeah he looks back out into the room and his mom is is asking uh, Harriet, have you always lived here? She says, no, I've moved around quite a bit. Yeah. Then we cut to them driving home, and she says, I had a really great time with your family tonight, and he's just like, great. And then he (laughs) says, you know that martial arts expert friend you had? Was that here in San Francisco? And she says, no, it was Miami, which is where it was in the newspaper. Right. And she says, your family's really great. And then he says, was that before or after Atlantic City? And she just says, I hated Atlantic City. It's full of gamblers and lounge singers. That guy was a lounge singer from yeah. the paper. Back of the apartment, she's screaming Ralph in her sleep again. <laughs> okay, so a normal person would just show her the article and be like, this looks a lot like your life. Yeah. yeah, at certain points I was like, why isn't he? But then I was like, well, maybe he's afraid that she'll kill him. I mean, uh, I sort of would be too. <laughs> like, like, that makes that. sense. Yeah. I mean, I guess. But I mean, I, I would be like, this article sounds a lot like you and it's kind of right. freaking me out. <laughs> yeah. So he brings the article to Tony and he's like, I think I'm dating Mrs. X. And he says two words therapy yeah well because (laughs) he is essentially the boy who cried wolf about this sort of shit right so like listen stop looking for stuff you asked me to call you out on this because you're really happy stop doing this you have unlocked a fun fact oh (laughs) so this movie uh in the original writing went through a couple different titles and the one it settled on prior to mike myers taking over and rewriting the script was the man who cried wife. Oh, oh damn. I love that title. Oh. That's so now, great. 
the original, original title that this was pitched under was Fatal Attraction because they didn't know there was another movie called Fatal Attraction. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's great. I love The Man Who Cried Wife. That's amazing. The Man Who Cried Wife. Yeah, it's, it's a pretty amazing title. So he breaks down the evidence and Tony's like, you're just getting scared because you think she could be the one and to you marriage is death. The one fact we get out of the scene, the extra part is that the lounge singer she married could sing the song Only You in six different languages. Yeah. And Tony is like, can she sing it? He's like, I don't know. We haven't reached the all important. Do you know the words to only you phase of our relationship? Right. <laughs> he does humor him and look it up and say yeah. that all three were reported missing, but so were their wives. And what I didn't notice until watching it this time is the like sergeant or whatever who's doing the lookup who's yeah. in like one other scene is Lunell. Yeah. A super famous comedian who just wasn't famous at the time. And she's done a bunch of other stuff since this, like more than just oh, comedy yeah. stuff. Like she's been in a lot of stuff. So <laughs> he's at home watching a current affair oh. and hearing about a rise in poisoning murders while doing the thigh master. Okay. There's so <laughs> many things about this that I love. Cause there are like eight jokes really quickly. My favorite right. one is the one, the story about they tease about the iguana, the iguana yes. be in pictures. <laughs> iguana be in Pictures. Oh my god, that's so funny! And then, of course, when he's doing the thigh master and like reading the instructions on how to do it, that to me is funny. And you oh, see him man. reading the instruction manual later when they get in bed. Which yeah, is it's also like he's still insane. trying to figure it out. <laughs> and then when it shoots off and goes behind the couch, so funny. If you have you ever tried a thigh master? No. Yes. Oh, it's nearly impossible. <laughs> it's the hardest thing in the world. You're just like, how do, how do I do this? Like, oh, wait, it really is that difficult? Yes. It's, oh, my God. It's, okay. It's It's got tension on it. Yeah. And so you really have to be strong to get it to, like, open and close. But it's got, like, foam around it, so it's kind of slippery. So if you aren't, like, exactly positioned right, it will kind of shoot out the back in front of you <laughs> yeah well then that's awesome i didn't know that i just thought he was being silly but no that's it's the thigh master really kind of is a pain in the ass um, <laughs> literally she comes in with a health shake that she spent 20 minutes making which like bitch do you did you smooth it by hand what's going on <laughs> <laughs> and she's trying to get him to drink it he won't do it he goes into the closet which has a glass door well because he just watched the thing on a current affair about poisoning and he's afraid no, that sure. she's poisoning him yeah i'm more worried about a house that has this many glass doors inside yeah because you can't throw stones at other people <laughs> well it's purely it's purely for this gag oh yeah so she slams the door with him in the closet and a whole extra closet's worth of stuff falls down oh, like an impossible amount of stuff yes <laughs> like skis I do, yeah, yeah. I do remember saying like, ah, she's got a lot of stuff in her closet. Like as a kid, I thought that that yes. was like both plausible and hilarious. And right. there's no <laughs> way that she had that no. much stuff above him in the closet. Also, he'd be dead. He's oh, going to yeah. suffocate in that closet. Well, and I do love that they hold on the shot so he can open the door and just fall out. Because yes. you see his legs like poke up out of the stuff as he falls out of it. And we cut to a little bit later. She gets into bed and she's like, I'm sorry. This is the Band-Aid scene. This is the Band-Aid scene. Yeah. Uh, and she's scratching his back in order of where things are on the map. So he's telling her parts of the city and that's yeah. what she's scratching. Then he says Coit Tower, which his dick but then he says san andreas fault which would be the crack yeah which is pretty funny <laughs> she says i feel like i can tell you anything in the world 
And then she says, have you ever stood on a cliff or a subway platform and thought, what if I pushed the person next to me? And he's like, no. (laughs) She immediately goes from, I feel like I can tell you anything to confessing that she has thoughts of murdering people. Yeah. We all do. We all do. Yeah. Mikey, (laughs) I know from the mental health professional on the podcast, you're going to say that. But like if a girl said that, what would your reaction be? I'd be like, yeah, I'm I'm like this close to killing a lot of people all the time. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Well, I will say intrusive thoughts are normal. That's a normal thing. Now she then she kind of spins it. She's like, but how many times do we trust people? I could do anything to you in your sleep. Like I could stick a needle in your ear and he freaks out. Yeah, she does stick her finger in his ear. Yeah. And and then she's like, I'm just trying to show you what a good relationship we have. And he's like, I have an ear thing. And she's like, well, fine, I'm just going to bed. And then he he does this thing where he's like human blanket and then just like flops over on her. And she's just like, no. Do you know how many times I did that as a kid? Human blanketed people. The human blanket bit is something I did until late teens. Yeah, it must be nice to be super skinny, Todd. I killed two women. (laughs) (laughs) Oh my god! So, but now when I do it, it's like for people with anxiety disorders. I'm like weighted blanket. (laughs) (laughs) Oh my god, that's a banger of a joke, Mikey. (laughs) This is really great. The next scene, he goes to the SF Globe, which is a newspaper, and he's placing the announcement for his parents' anniversary. Yes. I love this scene, though. Oh, (laughs) my God. We got a guy from Cheers and a guy from Seinfeld. (laughs) Together. acting circles around everyone else in this movie. It's so good. Well, also, with my job and stuff, like I I see a lot of like bad stuff, and I make jokes It is Gallo's humor, right? Right. Yeah. And and some people heard it. Some people could get really offensive about some of them. Offended. Yeah. Yes. True. And they would say I'm offensive. Yes. Yes. I get it. I'm a bad person. (laughs) (laughs) Well, what he what he overhears is them cracking jokes about the obituaries. And one of them is Ralph Elliott, whose body was found in a sewer. And he's like, well, did they say anything about his wife? And they're like, no, I'm sorry. I'll stop telling the jokes. (laughs) I'll stop making jokes about it. I'm sorry. (laughs) You're right. You're right. It's a whole person, you know, it's just what I do for a living. <laughs> I've like had this conversation. I love how this scene ends and it's like the guy from Cheers saying, well, after Yo, after uh, Kramer like leaves, like yelling, look at the insensitive man. Everyone stop what you're doing and look at the insensitive man. That's what you're paying you for. Like, I love that part. And then the Cheers guy looks at Mike Myers dead on and says, he was my ride home. <laughs> and then Mike Myers goes, understood. And what should have happened is we see a tag on that scene with Mike Myers driving that dude home. I thought that too. I that would have been too. so funny. That would have been a great joke. And Ugh. him trying to tell the story to him, like, do you think I'm being crazy? Like, <laughs> and then him like, going, this is my stop. Yeah. <laughs> going home. God, that would have been so funny. Anyway, sorry, Paige, please continue. We cut to Golden Gate Park where Harry Harriet is meeting up with Charlie and she basically says, what's going on? They had to see me so urgently. And he says, he basically breaks up with her. He's like, I think you're terrific, but we should see other people. And he says, I'm afraid you're going to leave me. So I'm launching a preemptive strike. And this is where we get her, uh, her line of at least you left early on. Yeah. This is what I call a projection where where he rejects her before she can reject him. Because he's in yeah. love with the Tupac hologram. Yes. A projection. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> he's like, listen, I'm banking on that hologram technology. And if I can just create my dream woman, I mean, why do I need you? <laughs> I watched Juice the other day and I was really feeling it. And you know what? I did think at 
was super mean that he broke up with her in front of the Tanner residence. <laughs> yeah, and the, the painted ladies, as they are called. Yeah. Uh, and then she had to go back to work for the rest of the day. Like, if you're going to break up with somebody, do it at the end of the day. Oh, yeah. That's, that's when you fire somebody, too, at the end yeah. of their shift. I think she does a great job in this scene acting because she tries to play it tough. And, like, she's like, whatever, I'll, I'll be fine. It's not a big deal. And then when she says go back to work, you can see it, like, really affect her. I think she's a great actress. I, no, I think she's really good in this. And I one of the articles I read actually really mentioned it, where they were like, she has the time tougher job in this movie yeah where he gets to be kind of crazy and wild and she has to communicate all of the same things from a place of normalcy she doesn't have the wackiness yeah and she does a great job of it i think she's really good in i this think she movie. nails it yeah so we cut to another scene where he's writing a poem about her <laughs> and then we see him perform it at the coffee shop Oh, yeah. This is where I have in my notes, does he only do poetry when he breaks up with people? Like, is he the Adele of the poetry world? Yeah. <laughs> I have a message to the podcast from my mom. Yes. She listened to last week's episode, and she has some corrections. <laughs> <laughs> my sister texted me. She was like, it doesn't count till they're married? <laughs> question mark, question mark. Wow face, wow face. She would like me to report that everything I said was untrue. <laughs> I do feel like firmly this is a rewriting of history, but I'll allow it. I think she may. I'm going to have to go ahead. And, she had some pretty strong points. <laughs> so I would like to apologize for misconstruing what my mother said. Mikey, you sound like a hostage right now. <laughs> She's holding up cue cards just out of the Zoom frame. I did not say that. I said that it doesn't matter until carriage because of the carriages. You just misheard me. <laughs> My whole family got together, did Halloween stuff Friday night. And then like out of the blue, she's like, we need to talk about your podcast. <laughs> oh, my God. That's amazing. Because we were like sitting down. She's like, so I need to talk to you about something. What you said I said was not true. <laughs> I, was like, I, was like, I was like, oh, God. First of all, don't call it a comeback. I've been here for years. <laughs> all right, please continue. I'm sorry. And that I'm sorry was for his mom, not for you, Paige. <laughs> Everyone, every woman in my life. So, he, so he's the Adele or the Taylor Swift of poetry. Yeah. When he grabs the candle and like is going to go to blow it out like before and yeah. then looks back at the picture of Harriet and then puts it down. Yes. Like 11 year old me was like, oh, he still loves her. Yes. Yeah. I remember thinking that that was like the sweetest thing in the world. And now, I mean, <laughs> it's ridiculous, right? Like, I know, like, whatever. But I remember thinking that that was the sweetest thing ever. Yes, he broke up with her. You can't you can't keep that candle lit if you broke up with them. I agree, Mikey. I'm just saying 11-year-old me was super here for it. Hello. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. So we cut to... His apartment. This is the only time we see his apartment. We only see a section of it. Yeah. And he has a corner view of the city skyline. It's a beautiful skyline. He gets a phone call. From Tony, yeah. Yeah, from Tony that says that somebody turned themselves in for the murder of Ralph Elliott. And so he runs out of the house. He goes directly to Harriet's house to apologize. Yeah. Rose comes in behind him, scares the shit. <laughs> they thought that was so funny. And he says, I don't want to lose you. She says, you rejected me. And he's like, well, I'm unrejecting you. Yeah. 
And she's like, well, you'll do it again. I'm not going to do it again. He says, I got scared. Things were going good. And I got scared. I love you. And she says, I love you too, but you blew it. Yeah. And we cut to the next scene where he's got the band. He got the band back together, baby. And he's doing a poem to her on like a rooftop courtyard outside her apartment. Right. Which of course she has a rooftop courtyard. Yeah. He broke onto her balcony with the band. Like there's no way to that courtyard. That's not fully no, through her apartment. There <laughs> is. Cause you can see the apartment across from it and the people walking behind. And the only reason I knew this is because I knew it when I was looking for apartments that looked like hers to try and find it. So he bribed her neighbor into uh, their access. Yes. That's amazing. You'll notice when he's doing this poem, he's got the book. Yeah, I think it's because of the previous poetry tapings that took 14 hours. Oh, yeah. Because you couldn't get words. He's got the book to read them. It could be. I don't know if that's for sure. Uh, but he ends the poem with, I am lonely. Bop, bop. It's really hard. <laughs> <laughs> this yeah. poem sucks. And he's right. Uh, then we cut to inside her apartment where she has a crazy pedestal jacuzzi bathtub. Yeah. That's an insane bathtub. <laughs> but it's also insane to say, no, you blew it, and then immediately say, you know what? You wrote me a shitty poem. We're back on. <laughs> but you admitted it was shitty, and that's why. <laughs> uh. But yeah, I mean, I'm fully here for, you know, together hot tub sessions. Oh, yeah. Yeah, but she has that just in her house. Hello. It's, she's a fan. <laughs> she is a fan. If I could have one in my house, I would. Yeah, but it would be my entire apartment, like that one room. Oh, yes. So Rose tells her someone's downstairs to see her. When he pulls the shower head over and goes, oh, she'll be gone in a moment. I thought that, that was so funny as a kid. It was. It's still funny. It's still pretty as funny. As a kid. Yeah, yeah. Uh, pull the car around. So he comes downstairs in a towel, which is weird. I like I would have put clothes on first. Yeah. Uh, but so she introduces him to a woman named Ralph. And he says, that's it's great to meet you. He hugs her. The towel falls. I'm naked, aren't I? I'm naked, aren't I? <laughs> Insane. Yeah. We cut to the next scene at a bar called Cock of the North. I wrote that down, too. I thought that that was an insane name for a restaurant. It's not just a bar. <laughs> yeah. Like, this is where they're having their 30th anniversary, anniversary party. Anniversary dinner. Yes. Yeah. At cock um, of the north. <laughs> his dad gives up to gets up to give a toast, which is like equal parts sweet and really troubling. Yeah. Because <laughs> he, he basically, I'd like to propose a toast to my wife, May. 30 years ago today we were married. We said I do and haven't agreed on a single thing since, but it could be worse. And I still love you. Yeah. And she just goes, thank you. <laughs> like that's her only reply to it. But she's already <laughs> moving on in her mind to Tony, who is sitting well, next to her at this dinner already. But also <laughs> one of the other fancy old ladies tries to dance with Tony. Like all, all of her friends are trying to dance with Tony. Yeah. It's wild. Yo, the silver hairs think Tony can get it. They've seen Hell him yeah. autograph those urine samples <laughs> and they're here for it. As the party's going on, uh, Mike Myers' character seems to have kind of a revelation of like, I want... 30 years with somebody I want to be yeah. in this position 30 years from now and he no longer thinks she's the honeymoon killer so he's like right I love Harriet why not get married yeah uh and she says no and he just goes please <laughs> yeah I know like, I felt I was like oh. oh I do love this scene though because we know why she's saying no yes and I feel like she does a great job of like showing it on her face that she does love him but she right. doesn't want him to die right right well and here in the reading where she knows Rose is going to kill him. 
it makes sense that she's like, no, 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 because that's what will kill him. But in the reading where maybe she's just afraid that he'll leave, yeah. it, I think she's playing it a little too strong. Well, I think she's playing it that way because she's afraid to leave because she eventually does say yes. Like, I right. think if she knew he was going to die, she would have just held to the no. Why don't we just live together part? Right. Yeah. Right. There's a right. lot of problems with if she knows that the sister's killing people. But mainly the fact that she, at the end, she would be arrested as an accessory. Yeah, she would be complicit in three people's murders. <laughs> I, when we get to fun facts, there are going to be some script revelations that. Oh will my god! You. Oh, I'm so excited. Yeah, she does eventually say yes. We cut to their wedding, uh, where she pauses before saying "I do." Also, her wedding dress is nuts. Is it? Yes. Okay. I didn't notice. Me either. I'd never noticed before. Uh, her wedding dress, so her veil is part of her dress. She's wearing a hoodie? Yes. <laughs> That's amazing. When she pulls the veil down, it's like a cowl on the back of her dress. But that's her veil. It's very strange. <laughs> she gets married dressed like the assassins from Assassin's Creed. Yeah. Yes. Well, this is her fourth <laughs> marriage. She's just like, want to try something new. Yeah. Man, that's true. I guess, you know, she's had four tries and she's just like, yeah, give me the weird shit. I hear Dress Barn gives you a discount if you buy in bulk. So maybe this is just the one that was left. <laughs> dress Barn doesn't usually carry wedding dresses, but oh, I mean, I, if I they did. <laughs> <laughs> I think Mike Myers wedding dress is much better than hers. Oh, yeah, his kilt. <laughs> I love that they're wearing kilt. I loved it. Yeah. I love that his dad sings along to a bagpipe rendition of uh, If You Want My Body by Rod Stewart. And it's because Rod Stewart is Scottish. <laughs> <laughs> I love that during this scene, the mom is just straight up molesting Tony. <laughs> yeah, she's got two hands full of ham and she is not letting go. Well, and, no, <laughs> you know, uh, kilt, kilts are... You're feeling the breeze. There's oh, no yeah. underwear under yeah, there. Yeah, there's no underwear on those things. It's very easy to leave a urine sample in a kilt. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> <laughs> uh, a piper collapses. We cut to Tony and Charlie are at the bar. And Tony is basically saying the wedding was beautiful. She's yeah. great. How could you think she was a murderer? And then she gets up and she sings only you. And they share a look like, what? Nah. nah. And then she changes <laughs> languages. Mm-hmm. And Tony is suspicious. Yeah. Well, and then she calls him up, and I love when she like pulls his face in and she's like squeezing the shit <laughs> out of his face. I thought that was so funny. My favorite is we get a reverse shot of the crowd, and the mom is like mascara running, yeah. like sobbing. <laughs> so on the drive to Poet's Corner, so we cut to they're driving to their honeymoon. Uh, she's really quiet in the car. Yeah. And he's kind of trying to like crack jokes. And he says, you're the best husband I've ever had. And she's like, why would you say that? <laughs> he's like, it's a joke. The car almost crashes. As they're driving, the captain bursts into Tony's office. And this is where we get full lethal weapon. <laughs> I love this. Tired so of your shit, Paisan. Just like ridiculous. And then Tony like leaves and comes back right. and he's like, well, because the captain says like, you know, your friend's in danger. Like you, yes. fuck, you messed up. You got to go save your friend or whatever. So he like runs out and then comes back. And he's like, hey, man, that was awesome. Yeah, you did a great <laughs> job. He was like, I'd love to give you more notes later, but I got to go. Yes. I love how the captain was like, was it too, too much racial stuff? He's really thinking about it. He's like touching his face. He's like, I don't know if that was too much. And he goes, yeah, but it's Paisan, not Paisan. That, that's actually the later one because he oh, does that's it right, twice. That's right. Sorry. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sorry. 
Uh, so they are driving to Poets Corner, which is allegedly in the mountains kind of above San Francisco. It's a real place, though, I think. It's, well, yes and no. It's oh, not. Okay. Is it not called Poets Corner, but it's actually like a place you can go stay or something? Sort of. I have oh, notes okay. about it when we get there. Oh, okay. Um, I'll leave it alone. Yeah. So they he faxes pictures of Harriet from the wedding to other people who knew all the other dead people. Yeah, he does like police work for once. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> like decent police work. Yeah. They all confirm that it's her that it's the person that their friend married the lounge singer guy who confirms that that's harriet says yeah she put on a lot of weight which she's, she's not so heavy skinny. like there's no yes. way she put on a lot of weight i thought that that was insane i was like did they cast someone else yeah i don't know like is rebel wilson like originally in this script like i just <laughs> did not see why how she could have gained a lot of weight i can tell you who they were originally going to cast and it was going to be wild uh but that's i'll tell you later so we have not unlocked that fun fact yet mikey we have not unlocked that fun fact Todd, let's um, get to the movie i need to hear these fun facts oh I, I know so they arrive at poet's corner which is actually the dunsmuir estate uh, in okay. oakland uh where I had my senior banquet. So the pictures Aww. of me in that green dress are just on the lawn just off of the main estate. No shit. But I didn't know that that's where it was until I was like reading stuff last night and I was like, oh my God, that's where they filmed that? So it <laughs> is at the Dunsmuir estate, but it's modeled after the place where Jake and I got married. Aww. Where they've got kind of like themed rooms, which by the way, I'll, I'll get to it in just a Oh no, they're checking in here. So they have themed rooms. They ask specifically for the Robbie Burns room, who's yeah. a Scottish poet. So it's like <laughs> the rooms are themed like poets. Um, well, and Harriet says she has a headache. So she, she needs headache. to go get like, do you have a drugstore in the hotel? And yeah. he's like, yeah, it's over there. And the, the, the guy at the counter like looks at Mike Myers as she walks off and goes do you really think she has a headache yeah <laughs> Wait. I, thought, I thought that was hilarious they also tell them to prepare candles because they tend to lose power during storms yeah and Mike Myers is like super jazzed because he has no idea what it's in store for him he's like oh that sounds right. like fun which <laughs> Hooray, is insane cuddles. but yeah we cut back to the police station where we find out that all the circuits are down because of the storm and the pl the roads are blocked because of the storm as well yeah so this is where the captain tries it out again to be mean and and he tries to call him Paison. he's like it's Paison. is it too much with the ethnic slurs um, <laughs> I love the captain so much so he charters a plane and the guy flying the plane is nuts where he's like I don't know I have no concept of time I don't know if this is dangerous i've never done this at night it's really crazy <laughs> he's like you've done this before right and he goes yeah i've done it loads of times ne never at night never at night <laughs> we cut back to the hotel room where we see harriet pull all three wedding rings out of her makeup powder yeah there are some scenes in this that are clearly left over from the original and that i gotcha. think is one of yeah. them well natalie had never seen it before so it was the first time she had watched it mm -hmm. and she until like Rose is revealed as the killer she thought that Harriet was the killer and she was like oh my god and she, she thought yeah. that they were revealing that Harriet was the killer right here maybe they were question mark they go downstairs for dinner he says I'm gonna go wash my hands I love you and she's like following him yeah to wash his hands they come back to the table uh they announce anniversaries they announce them as newlyweds and then he gets an urgent phone call from town 
and it's from Tony basically saying, Harriet is Mrs. X. I have the picture. She's the murderer. Yeah. The police are on their way, but you need to stay where you are. And he says, what should I do? And the guy behind him just says, you'll know when the time comes, <laughs> which is a great, just like throwaway joke. Yeah, it's so, it's funny. so good. Yeah. And the phone line goes dead. Because a tree falls across the lines. Yeah. But they're playing their song. They have to stay and dance. And he's literally just trying to avoid her at all costs. And <laughs> I love this so much because as they're dancing, like the power goes out and he goes, help me. My wife is a and the power comes back on. And he goes, lovely, <laughs> lovely person, person. Who I'm very lucky to <laughs> be with. I thought it was so funny. <laughs> they, uh, in the midst of this, we cut back to town where Tony's trying to commandeer a vehicle and the guy's like no no i happen to know for a fact you can't commandeer my vehicle and it's the dad from beethoven yes it is and i think the pilot is also someone who's like sort of famous as well yeah we cut back to the hotel where they're putting them in the honeymoon chair and then to the room to the room to the room yeah they're like forcing them to go have sex which i thought was weird very i'm fine with yeah uh he tries to get the bellhop to stay for a nightcap stay for a nightcap (laughs) He runs away. (laughs) Then we cut back into the room where there's a log and an axe in the room. Why? So at the place where Jake and I got married, all the rooms are themed. And so some of them are like the frontier room or we stayed in the Daisy May, which was like a cave. So it was literally a cave. Yeah. Um. So some of them have weird stuff like that in the room. But the other thing I think is because they lose power, they have a fireplace in that room. So I think maybe they'd want you to split that log, but it's crazy. I mean, yeah, that (laughs) is nuts. I would be pissed if I was paying for like a room for the night and they were like, hey, we didn't go through the extra step of cutting this fully for you, but here's a half cut log for you to then cut yourself. It makes more sense to me for it to be a theme room with a fake axe, but it's as we find out, this axe is very real. Yeah, like <laughs> like that one whole piece is more like a plastic mold of like. Yes. A, <laughs> that would be hilarious. She turns to him and says, "Charlie, there's something I've been meaning to tell you. I've been married before," and he says, "I already know that." And then yeah. she basically, like, instead of just telling him like i'm afraid you'll leave me please don't she basically says you don't understand and she's trying to stop him from going and yeah he shoves her into the closet she should have told him she was married before yeah before before this absolutely we cut back to tony is in the car with the guy he tried to commandeer who is now driving him to poet's corner giving him a ride i loved that oh yeah so funny and he's like wrapping his fingers on the uh the dashboard he's like oh is that bothering (laughs) you he's like no that's my favorite thing ever. <laughs> I love that dude's delivery. It's so good. So Charlie is now in the main portion of the honeymoon suite where he finds a note that was allegedly written from him to Harriet. Yeah. And we reveal that Rose is right behind him. With the axe. Yes. And a Dexter-esque plastic sheet. Like outfit. She came prepared. Oh, yeah. And this is where she steals every scene from here on out. Oh. She's so great at being crazy. It's so good. Uh, so they fight. He climbs out the window onto the roof. Now, this is actually a fake roof that they built as a replica for the movie so that they really? can run around on it. And, and I mean, that makes sense because they are doing yeah, some what sense. would be dangerous things up there. So Tony makes it. He kicks in the door. Harriet calls her over. He gets her out of the closet and puts her in handcuffs 
<laughs> I love this. Even though they can hear Charlie and Rose fighting on the roof, Charlie's running away from Rose. He falls. She's he's hanging on to the edge of the roof. She's like chopping at his hands with the axe. Well, and that's when they pause and they cut to Tony like questioning yes. Harriet. And like while they're going back and forth, Harriet's like, you can hear them. They're on the roof. And he's just like smoking a cigarette. Like, you yes. just don't get it. And you hear <laughs> ah! and he's like, you could tell me here. Oh, yes. we could talk about it downtown. 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 <laughs> God, it's so funny. It's so the, funny. <laughs> the axe gets stuck. He uses it as a chance to pull himself back up onto the roof. She yeah. throws the axe. He falls, hits a chimney pipe. Well, he racks himself on it. Yeah. 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 Uh, they lead Harriet outside in handcuffs and he calls down from the roof. Rose is behind him. They struggle with the axe. She kicks him in the balls. He kicks her in the crotch. And then looks right at the camera. Yes. And is like, like has a little smile. I was like, oh, this is definitely a kid's movie. Yeah, yeah, yeah. She falls off the roof and he catches her. He tries to hold on to her and then Tony pulls her in yeah. through that top window. Basically, that's the end of the fight. We cut to yeah. him reciting a sweet bird poem about Harriet. Yeah. As they're like showing her being taken away in the car. Right. right. Uh and this is where we get the third or fourth, depending, instance of There She Goes Again. Yeah. And that's, that's the, the movie. movie. Yeah. Roll credit. All right. So having seen the movie, having talked about the movie, what do you guys think? I still really like this movie. Yeah, I still it's I, good. I, I will agree, Paige, <laughs> that there are some things that are not great. They didn't hold up yes. great well to the test of time. But I still think this is a great kids movie. <laughs> it's a kids movie with some very adult themes in yeah, it. Yeah, it's like Animaniacs. Yeah. I'll grant that. Yeah. I will say I think I saw this as a kid. Like I'm me pretty too. sure my I parents too, yeah. showed it to me as a kid. I think it's a, a a movie for adults that their kids can watch with them. I would agree. Yeah. But I love it. I'd watch it again in a heartbeat. It's so good. So Paige, do you have some fun facts for us? I have so many fun facts. I can't okay. wait. I'm so excited. So let's start out with what is Mike Myers? job yes and in order to <laughs> in order to fill you in i have to take you on the journey that i went on to find it oh my god this film is adapted from a script originally written by a man named robbie fox and okay. it was originally at the time that it was sold as a script called the man who cried wife such a great title it was pitched under other titles but when it was finally sold that's what it was the script at the time and this is in 1988 uh, was set in New York and the original version has Charlie as more of a Woody Allen character Woody Allen was actually at various points cast to be the lead or tapped to direct it but he wanted too much money both times so it fell through it is sort of like Annie Hall if Annie Hall was a murderer that is the pitch for this movie what? originally. Right. Oh. Except, except in the original version, Harriet was the murderer. Oh, Rose did that not makes exist. So much sense. Yeah. Okay. So she was the real axe murderer. She was the real axe murderer. And it was kind of a more misogynist version, even than what we have now. Uh, in interviews, Fox has said that he and a friend came up with the idea as they were commiserating about the problems that they had with women. <laughs> yeah oh that's not great oh yeah. man it's it's not great he softened a bit over time but you know <laughs> uh he named the character of charlie after his own father a man named charles fox 
who was a famous songwriter. He co-wrote the Roberta Flack classic, Killing Me Softly, with his song, <gasps> covered fantastically what? by Lauren Hill. Yes. And he wrote almost every theme song from the 70s, like TV theme songs. So many famous ones. But in the midst of all that, his dad was also a super doomsday prepper and a conspiracy theorist. So he's like everyone's parents. Well, it's not the parents. <laughs> he named Charlie because in the original script, there were no parents at oh. all. And Charlie was the one who was paranoid <laughs> and nervous. Essentially, he was like a Woody Allen character. He was yeah. like a paranoid Jewish guy in New York. Yeah. And so the screenplay, as I mentioned, it was pitched originally in 1986 under the title Fatal Attraction because they didn't know that there was another one. <laughs> it went through three other titles before finally being sold under the title we have it now. And it sat in development hell for five years. Wow. It underwent about 12 different but pretty small revisions based on who was going to be in the movie, which in order was Woody Allen first, Gary Shandling, Albert Brooks, and then eventually oh. Chevy Chase, who then pulled out, and then finally Mike Myers. Wow. I love all of those people at that time period. Gary Shandling. Yeah. Wow. That's Gary amazing. Shandling. You know, he doesn't really do a lot of the stuff like that. He doesn't. And literally all the way up to attempting to cast Chevy Chase, the production company was trying to keep with the idea that Charlie was paranoid and Jewish. Literally Woody Allen. Yeah. Gary Shandling being pulled from the production caused one of the producers to leave Columbia permanently. To like really? leave his job. He thought he was so right for the role that he like was like, if you're not gonna have him, I'm leaving. Gary Shandling, he's passed away, but Gary Shandling was awesome. Yeah. Here's the question: what changed to change this movie that much? Well, in 1992, Wayne's World was released and it was a huge yeah. hit. And everyone wanted to offer Mike Myers parts. And at the same time, because remember, Wayne's World 2 and this movie were filmed in the same year. Now, Mike Myers, because he had come from SNL and because he had essentially helped write Wayne's World and had a level of control on that movie because it was based on his characters um, and he developed those characters, he had kind of an expectation of the level of control he would have on this movie. So he and his writing partner agreed to take the role on the option that they could rewrite the script as they chose. Interesting. Oh, wow. Yeah, okay. Man, that's a big ask. It's a big ask, but he and his writing partner rewrote huge sections of the script. They changed the ending. They added the characters of his parents and of Rose. They made them Scottish instead of Jewish, and they moved everything to San Francisco because they thought it would be more conducive to a poet's lifestyle. Yeah, poets. I've never heard of one poet from New York. Well, yeah, I, I'm not sure if poet was in every iteration of the script. I think it was, but I think it was just a side gig. But because they made all these changes, they managed to lose some of the scenes that displayed Charlie's actual job from the original script which was he owns a bookstore. What? Really? <laughs> now, how do I know this? Because they sought full writing credit for their edit of the script. They made so many changes that they sought to have the original screenwriter taken off the movie as the screenwriting credit and to give him a story by credit. And that screenwriter had done every previous rewrite of the script, had been working on it for five years. And so he was like, fuck you. <laughs> Fuck you to death. We're going to court. Oh, he really? Takes, yes. He takes them to court. He fights it. 
and he wins. Good for him. Yeah, despite the near full rewrite of this movie, he has the only writing credit on the film. And at the time, he was pretty fucking salty about it. So in 1993, he gave a scathing interview to the LA Times as the movie was being released. And that article is still online. And in it, he describes the movie But because it hadn't come out yet and he hadn't seen the final product, he left in one detail from the original script. And it was that Charlie owns a bookstore. That's amazing that you got there (laughs) through that insane legal battle. That's so awesome. (laughs) That's a fun fact right there, guys. Thank you. If you want to hear more about it, there's a lot of like really good oral histories on this movie online. Uh, Spin.com did one. Uh, The L.A. Times did one. There's an article called How So I Married an Axe Murderer Destroyed One Writer life uh, but like there, it was a contentious movie um but yes yeah, so he owns a bookstore that's what it that's is that's amazing we just we never see it or hear about it in the movie so back to just normal run-of-the-mill fun facts that aren't right. rabbit holes uh harriet was almost played by sharon stone but sharon stone really? wanted to play both harriet and and Rose, because she thought it would be cool if they were twins, but they cast Nancy Travis instead because they were like, that's not that's not what it is. Uh, <laughs> I think I'd be down for that. Yeah, that'd be they, cool. Yeah, they cast Nancy, who was the girlfriend of one of the producers at the time because they were running oh. out of time to make the movie, and she ends up marrying that producer, and they're still married to this day. Oh, nice. Oh. Yeah, it was that was kind of a sweet one. That's awesome. So let's look at their apartment costs yes so assuming because we don't see the rest of his apartment if we assume that he has a studio bare minimum yeah he probably doesn't but like if we assume he has a studio with that view the apartment would start start at twenty five hundred dollars a month for a studio yeah and that does not necessarily include a kitchen it may include a kitchenette if he doesn't have a studio if he's got something larger with that view He's looking at 3500 minimum, pretty That's much. That's insane. Although this is the heyday of bookstores. Like it never got better than this for bookstores. Well, and I'm what I because I can't find classic stuff. I'm looking at just like modern day costs. And let's yeah, just right. assume that everything took place modern day. That's what it would cost. Now, Harriet's minimum of a three bedroom apartment would cost at least forty five hundred dollars per month. Yeah. And that's on the low, low end. That's insane. It was likely closer to 6000 a month. Oh, my God. Oh, wow. Uh, she would have had to have had one of the most successful butcher shops in San Francisco. In history. In history. <laughs> she can't physically make the volume to support that overhead with the amount of meat that she has. Um, with her and Charlie both owning businesses, maybe they could afford it together um but coronavirus would have really dealt them a pretty solid blow yeah uh, if this was happening present day uh so yeah that is the rest of my fun facts because we basically peppered everything else in throughout the uh-huh. way well thank you for your fun facts those thank were you. insanely those are fun. really fun yeah. yeah all right so would you date the main characters no I mean, if I had to hear hello every time a joke was made, that's going <laughs> to impact my life so negatively. This movie gave me such a revelation as to why it was hard for me to find women to date me in high school. I, I feel that really hard, Todd. I really do. Oh. I understand. I need to apologize to Lauren, Lisa, Leslie, <laughs> all of them L's. That's weird. Uh, yeah, all of you guys. So sorry. 
I'm trying to think if I would stay with if I would date Harriet. Yeah. I, so okay, Mikey, yeah. that was my question for us: is if we married Harriet and her sister tried to kill us, would we stay with Harriet? I was thinking oh. about that too. Yeah, I would stay with her. I think I would too. I I like Harriet. I think she's great. I think I'd be more mad that she didn't tell me she was married three times before. Oh yeah, yeah right. Here's what. I kept thinking about when I was thinking about are they still together? Rose is alive. She's going to prison. She is still her sister. Yeah. I just pictured them like going to visit her in prison and having to go through the trial and having to Ooh. go through all of that. And I was like, I don't know if they stay together. <laughs> oh, yeah. Well, that's a different question. Like, do you still think they're together? I hope they are. I, uh, yeah, I, I hope, hope they so. are. I, I, I would have to see Harriet's reaction to Rose because she loved all those guys. Yeah. She might stop being a supportive sister once she figured out that. Hopefully. I think if she stops being a supportive sister, she saves her relationship with Charlie. <laughs> yeah, yeah, same. Yeah, yeah. And I think it would be fair to Charlie to be like, yeah, it's kind of her or me because. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I know it's an ultimatum, but like she tried to murder me and murdered three people before. So yeah. she's literally a serial killer. <laughs> Yeah. 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 So this is an ultimatum. There you go. Yeah. <laughs> the thing that I really like about this movie is it it gives Harriet a chance to be kind of a comedic equal in a lot of ways yeah. in their conversations. And I feel like they do really have a, they they develop a nice relationship. They I have agree. a connection. And so I think if they can get past the fact that her sister tried to murder him and, you know, not talk about it at Thanksgiving. <laughs> then yeah I, I i think they could stay together i think it's possible yeah i think so too that's the reality i want to live in yeah agreed <laughs> i like that this movie is the one where you guys are like yeah they're definitely still together <laughs> <laughs> i <laughs> i mean i'll admit it's a long shot <laughs> there was three actual murders and an attempted murder and this is the most realistic i think they would work out <laughs> I feel like if you told me they didn't work out, I'd be like, yeah, that makes sense. Also. I mean, yeah, same. <laughs> I just hope they do, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, I think it's also because they are essentially good people that have a bad thing happen to them. Like one of them is not the villain, if that makes sense. And that's the reason we want them to be together. Right, right, right. Both do things like they both have just talked about it. Now, here's what I don't know about the original script, which I'm kind of curious about. I know there's a screenwriter out there that's dying to tell you everything about oh, it. Oh, I'm sure. I'm sure this, <laughs> this is going to come out. We're going to get an email and he's going to be like, let me tell you. Uh, so <laughs> one of the things that they had described and one of the other like log lines they kind of gave for the movie is she's the perfect wife, but she's a serial killer. So basically being like, she's amazing. She just kills people. I think it'd be really, really really interesting to have it be Dexter style where it's like they meet they fall in love she's perfect he you know has the same commitment issues because he always finds a reason to break up with somebody and then he finds out that she's a serial killer and she just kills other people romantic comedy Dexter I'm here for it yeah right that would be amazing because now it's like do you put up with like is that okay with you what are <laughs> do you, you gonna do that? what are you gonna do yeah uh i think that would be a really interesting kind of take on the same kind of a similar idea all right so you guys ready to talk box office yes all right so this movie came out in 93 what do you think the budget for this movie was i wasn't able to find the budget i do have what it made in its entire run yeah. i think the budget was around 20 million I would say like 12. The budget was exactly $20 million. Ah. When it came out on July 30th, 1993, it was 12th at the box office. Ooh, what was ahead of it? 
Oh, I'm going to run through this list page and it is a bunch of hits. All right. Mm, so the yeah. number one movie that week was Rising Sun. Okay. Number two was In the Line of Fire. Three was The Firm. Free Willy was four. Jurassic Park was five. <sighs> Robin Hood Men in Tights was six. Poetic Justice was seven, which I also think would be a good name for this movie. Agreed. <laughs> Sleepless <laughs> in Seattle, which we should do, is eight. Yes. No, that's the movie of a name of a poet who fights crime. <laughs> I'm here for that. Poetic Justice. I am here for that. Uh, Sleepless in Seattle was eight. Coneheads was nine. Another Stakeout was 10. Hocus Pocus was 11. Really? And 12 was So I Married an Axe Murderer. And even though it was 12th, it still made $3.4 million that weekend, which is not awful. Okay, so in its complete theatric run, and Paige, you already know, so I'll I just tell know. you. Yeah. And its total theatrical run, it made $11.5 million. So this movie lost a lot of money. Yeah, it did. Although it did very, very well on DVD and VHS or and Blu-ray, I'm sure. But like, I just don't have the numbers on that. I bet it broke even eventually, but yes. it did not break even in theaters. It threatened to tank the careers of everyone who was in it. Uh, it did tank the director's career. Yes. And then Mike Myers got very lucky that Wayne's World 2 came out that same year and essentially saved his movie career. Yeah. But after Wayne's World 2, and it's suspected because of his experience with this movie, he did not make another movie for four years. Wayne's World, just to like juxtapose what Wayne's World made onto this movie, yeah. Wayne's World made total $183 million in 1992. Yeah. So yep. he had a huge hit. A huge bomb and then did another Wayne's World. Oh, just to throw it out there, Wayne's World 2 made $47 million. Yeah, it was not as much of a hit as Wayne's World 1. Right. Although I, I think Wayne's World 2 is really fun. I enjoy 2 quite a I bit. I think it's great. Yeah, it's a little more um, bonkers than Wayne's World 1, but it's yes. still fun. But that's box office for you. So this week we watched So I Married an Axe Murderer. And next week it is my turn to pick. And I uh, was talking to a friend of mine and it was revealed that there is a blind spot in my classic rom-com history. So I think we need to do Joe versus the volcano because I've never seen yes. it. Yes, I do now remember oh, that you yes. told me this. Yeah. I'm very excited about this. I love Joe Bostock. Obviously, I've heard it's amazing yes. and I know about it, right? Because it's such uh, amazing's a- Amazing a strong word. Okay. It's eclectic. Okay. Well, I mean, I know about it because a lot of people have talked about it throughout the uh, it's, years. It's another rom-com I loved as a child, which I think may have been made for children. <laughs> you know what, Mikey? I'm kind of with you on that one. I, 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 it's, it's like this. It's a lot like this movie. <laughs> well, awesome. I can't wait to watch it. So your homework for next week is to again get wine drunk and watch <laughs> Joe versus the Volcano. Oh, and, and see young Tom Hanks. Yeah. Yeah. So, Mikey, do you have a review for us to read? No, you tell him. All right. So this is how you have your review run on the podcast. And that is simply to leave us a five-star text review and, you know, leave us a little text so Mikey can uh, read something and have a little fun with it. I can't believe we're already over 100 reviews. Like, that's insane. So thank you guys that's so nuts. much for both listening and leaving us reviews. So, Mikey, you got one? I'm going to read this one. I'm a little partial because I think I know who wrote it. Oh, okay. All right. R.M. Butler wrote Thursday Favorite. Is the title of her review. I like it already. In all honesty, I only started listening to support a friend from college. Who is it? I'm that friend from college. Oh, okay. <laughs> I it was paid. Okay. All right. Cool, I, cool, was, cool, cool. I was like, RM. I, I didn't really have any friends in college because I was still being like, 
Hello. Um, but I have fallen, tripped upstairs in love with the whole crew. Oh, I look- <laughs> that just shaves all that reference right there. I love it. it. Is. I look forward to my drive to work on Thursdays. Thanks to you guys. Thank you for all the giggles as well as the wonderful insights you provide. That is awesome. Well, thank you so thank much you. for that awesome five star review. Who was it, Mikey? What was there? RM Butler. Her name's. Well, <laughs> thank you so much for that five star review. And guys, don't Google Butler. Oh, shit. Yeah, I'm, okay, edit that out. Yeah, so RM <laughs> Butler, thank you so much for that five-star awesome <laughs> review. And I'm so sorry you had to put it with Mikey in college. <laughs> yeah, she Hello. knew me when I was much different. <laughs> <laughs> well, awesome. Well, guys, if you want to have your five-star review run on the podcast, leave us a five-star review. So, um, yeah, guys, if you like this power thruple that we have here on this podcast, make sure to check out our other podcast, The Horror Virgin. And that is the only other podcast that Mikey and I are on. But Paige gets around and she is on two other podcasts, Black Card Rehab and Cult Podcast. So, guys, definitely check out those because they're amazing. If you want to follow us on social, we are at Romancing the Pod Show. Yes, on yes. Instagram, and we are at something else on Twitter. Who I just have never taken the time to learn. It's, it. it's just romancing pod show because they have a character oh. limit, and it's show s h o like Showtime. So, guys, check that out as well. And if you want to follow us all individually, Paige is at Rampage Wesley everywhere, including TikTok, except for Twitter, where she is at Paige Wesley. Mikey is at M Randolph twenty four, and I am at Todd J Awesome everywhere. If you want to come to our Halloween live show, you have one more day to buy yeah. tickets from today. Uh, tickets close Friday night at 11.59 PST. And the show is literally this Saturday. So, guys, yes. don't miss it. It's going to be bonkers and a lot of fun. Yes. And again, that's for Horror Virgin and Cult Podcast. We will not right. be talking about. Well, I mean, there might be a little bit of romance in our episode. Oh, there, oh, there, there definitely is. Little, there's definitely romance. Yeah. But you should definitely tune in to see it. It's going to be a blast. That's it for us, you guys, this week. I'm Paige. I'm Mikey. And I'm Todd. And you complete us. To completion. You had me at hello. <laughs> <laughs> Laters, baby. Uh. <laughs>